This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Next Lander podcast. Come on in. Get in here. Grab a chair. There's some over there in the back. I put out a bunch of extra folding chairs just because I knew you were coming. Brad Shoemaker, how are you? Is there coffee? Always coffee at the old Next Lander podcast. There is uh, a big old urn here, and there's also some decaf, and there's some hot water just for tea. Just yeah, we But we don't have any flavored coffee. It's just French roast. Just Italian roast? French roast. What, do you, what would you guys prefer? Mm. Yeah, French roast is nice. I okay, like Italian roast. roast, too. Either one's good. Okay, we have both of them. Okay, Alex, great. <laughs> Alex Navarro, can I get you a hot beverage? Uh, no. However, I am going to take at least one of these folding chairs and start whacking people over the back with it, if that's okay by you. I don't want to. I don't want to step out of line here. If, if you're not no, cool with that. No, no, no. We have we have the real folding chairs, and then we have the. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. Then we have the work folding chairs. Shoot, folding chairs. You're, ta- oh, you're no. saying worked chairs. Oh boy. Wor- Worked chairs? Well, so what you're talking about, like, okay, so you're talking about, like, gimmicked <laughs> objects. Like, objects that have been, like, either pre-bent or built in such a way so that they will better explode yes. on compact or what have you. I, yes. Okay. So, chairs, usually they don't do that for. 
Well, listen, I'm, I have a safe, I've got kids, okay? These yeah. are worked chairs. Okay, these, these are worked chairs, worked. so they will explode on impact, is what you're saying. Oh, and they look great. Okay. Also, we have one of those machines that uh, vends uh, uh, for free hot chocolate. Uh, the ones that you put the little cup under, it makes that horrible noise, and then hot chocolate. Oh, comes the robot, out. the robot hot chocolate. Yes, the robot hot chocolate. It never stops when you think it's going to stop. It always stops about a about a half a second later than you think. So you just got to be a little careful there. And there's a bunch of mini marshmallows. Could Ooh. I? Uh, could I? Maybe we cheers some some hot chocolate before I kick you in the stomach and give you a stone cold stunner. Yeah, but also you have the gimmicked hot chocolate that you throw in my face as well. But it's really cold. Oh it's my god, cold. it's full of ketamine. Shit. <laughs> And razor blades. This was not worked at all. No. Uh, welcome to my how I imagine the beginning of every podcast going. I hope, I hope you have enjoyed that. Mind. Yes. Coffee and wrestling uh, references. That's what you're here for. You think anybody drinks coffee at a wrestling show? They must serve it there, right? I, I'm pretty sure it, I've seen it at catering behind, like backstage at wrestling shows before. No, yes. like you go to the, you go to like some guy's getting a beer. Oh God, or some no. lady's got a hot dog. No, and no one's getting coffee at a wrestling show. Absolutely no, not. No, like a, like a nobody. You don't see a little tea bag string hanging out from anybody's cup as they sit down for a good show of wrestling. Here, here, I'm Wrestle here for them. the fisticuffs. <laughs> now, now Boy. I'm just imagining a wrestling ring in the middle of like an orchestra audience. Yes, everybody mm-hmm. in tuxedos, very politely applauding. Yes, the like WWE's hold- orchestral pit. Now you don't get to see that very often. Kind of holding a saucer and sipping, and then but like a little shake when there's like a slam, and be like, "Dear me, oh, that was a big one, wasn't it?" Yeah, someone bangs a timpani drum every time someone hits the mat. Uh, and then like turn to this person next to him. So, have you heard what's going on with the stocks these days? Wow, that was a great brain buster. Mm, I don't know what wrestling You're means. really, yeah, I think you were built for wrestling commentary. You should be doing this. Good lord, man. Have you seen his DDT? Christ almighty. Crikey. G- <laughs> I haven't seen a German suplex that good since the Kaiser. My word, <laughs> he's been broken in half. <laughs> Uh, gracious me, I thought Sting was dead. Uh, What's he doing in the impact zone? (laughs) Undertaker? Dear me. Anyway, Uh, that's... That's Steve Austin's music. (laughs) (laughs) This is our monthly quota for wrestling content right here. If I knew more about wrestling, I would probably... I would probably continue. But I I do know this Mm -hmm. from having done... A long time uh, uh, a podcast with people who like wrestling. The longer you go, the clock ticks down a notch uh, until you get in trouble. Yes. Until you say, <laughs> "Yes, <laughs> I'm absolutely." Never, I've leer. I am a mere ten seconds away from saying something in which you go. Uh, actually, that guy actually, was a murderer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's that's how it always ends. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, you're listening to the Next Lender podcast. Where we talk about video games, the news of video games, and, you know, other things of interest. Whatever else gonna, comes to mind. Uh, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to get to, uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to start with Glover. We'll get to, there'll be some Glover talk. There's going to be Dorf Romantic, so Norco. We, no, it's good to lead with Glover because we can tie it to wrestling. We can tie it to that that Jim Ross ad nope, read of you got to love the glove. Save it, save it. Okay, oh, okay. Well, now you've ruined my love the glove joke. Thank you. There's I've plenty of other on it glove. all morning. <laughs> so there's a plug glove stuff. Smell the glove. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. glove. There's a glove slap. Uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. Uh, 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 a fine Glover quote. Uh, no, that one doesn't play. No. Here. Man, 
That was one I was working on. How Danny Glover is not as hip with the kids these days. <laughs> okay, if, fine. If, if the glove doesn't fit, you must play it. Okay. All right, we got know. there. Know, that man. works. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's getting like... It's like a little dangerous. I kind of like it. And we're going to talk about the play date. Not all play dates. The play date. The play date. By Panic. Uh, you guys up to anything else before can, we can jump we, into... I, kinda, uh, I want to talk more about Robot Hot. I really want some hot chocolate now. I like those I just, Robot Hot chocolate machines. It's some good hot chocolate. I'm almost out of the hot chocolate window weather-wise. I don't know if it was scientifically calculated or not, but the amount of hot chocolate that came out of those machines was just matched to the size of those paper cups. Oh, yeah. Get the little meniscus on the top. Oh, yeah. That's some dangerous was, stuff there. You, you don't, kinda No room for error. Had to drink it right off the table to get it out of that room. Yeah. This is, might be uh, blasphemous, but that's the kind of guy I Please, am. blaspheme. Um, I think out of all the hot chocolates, I prefer a Swiss Miss packet. Like really? A, With yeah. the marshmallows built in? Yep. There's little styrofoam marshmallows in there. Like, out of like a... Give me... I've had hot chocolate with warm milk where you put actual cocoa in and sugar and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, give me a large mug, two Swiss mist packets and some hot water. And I think I'm happy. I think my only issue with those is that I would be shocked to learn that any actual food item had ever touched that process. Like there are like an actual cocoa bean even was in the same room as the things that they are brewing for that stuff. Nope. Pure no. chemicals. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Flavor you got crystals. You open that thing up, there's like a fine mist that probably has coated my lungs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to see one of those commercials when, next time we're on a work trip, which who knows when that would be, when I'm sitting in a hotel room uh, in a, like the weird hour between a dinner and the event, you know, that weird hour that is like 6.15 to 7.15. I know this you hour. Have nothing, you have nothing to do. You have eaten dinner, but you have an event at 7.30. And so you're just sitting there on a bed watching CNN or watching terrible commercials. Maybe Jeopardy's on and that's that'll that'll get you there. Maybe if you're lucky and then that commercial comes on for like, if you suffer from, you know, this, that, and it's going to be like, if you have suffered from mesothelioma or mm -hmm. opened a Swiss miss packet in the last 30 years, call Hector, Hector and Barnes. Uh, We've officially ruined any chances of us getting the Swiss miss account for our, uh, for our podcast. I mean, I started with, I love Swiss miss hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's my favorite. My wife, my wife. You also compared it to mesothelioma. So I don't think we're getting there. <laughs> I, did, I did not. I just put it, it said the Hunter, mm -hmm. Hunter and Barnes. They're not a good law firm. They don't know no. what they're doing. Don't call them. Uh, uh, my wife does not let that stuff in the house either. So they're in the back cupboard in the junk drawer. There's like one squished in case of emergency Swiss miss packet. And that's for me. It has lasted like since I was in San Francisco it has made the move. Can't get that stuff anymore. I'm pretty sure it's gone. Yeah. It's illegal. Impossible. You guys have hot chocolate preferences? The hot chocolate that's in front of me? Yeah. At okay. any given moment? That All pretty right. much sums it up. Yeah. Okay. I used to dump All the right. hot chocolate in the coffee. What? Early in the, in the early scene head days, I would get the coffee out of the machine and then dump the hot chocolate packet right in there. What? It's pretty good. That sounds pretty good. This was pre like drinking black coffee for me, so it was like, all right, oh. I, need, I need caffeine. I needed some kind of sweetener in there. That's nice. That's like... um. Like once in a while, I'll, I'll drop like a Hershey Kiss or something in a in a mm. coffee, just because. Uh, again, I'm a blast from her. Mm -hmm. I just live. I just live out there. Ain't nobody gonna tell me how to live my I life. I don't think you invented that. I want to say there may have been an ad campaign at some point. They were like, "What if you put a little Hershey's Kiss in, you know, your hot chocolate? What about that?" If you're trying to tell me my entire life is really just recreating ads I saw throughout my life, like an I, ad you I, saw I, once, yes, yeah, when, in like I, I, in 1988, yes. 
I'd agree. 80% of this podcast is probably me regurgitating uh, pretty much ad copy from the that is soaked into it's my brain. That's why I'm always looking for the beef. Because nobody, uh, nobody knows where it is. Yeah, I I still where haven't found it? it. I bought I bought. You guys probably don't know this, but uh, I am the owner of that NFT now. Uh, where's oh, the boy. beef? Yeah, you guys. Uh, not the not guys, the ad, just the lady. Yeah, just the, her actual personage. Yeah, uh, is is that? Uh, what was? Do you guys even know what that was for? Beef. Wendy's. Was, was it? it Wendy's? Or was it not Wendy's? Oh, it might have been. It might have been Wendy's. Yeah, actually, if it was definitely some Wendy's, kind of hamburger thing. I don't. Where's the where's the beef? I don't know. That yes. ad actually predates me being born. I think. Uh, yeah, it was it was Wendy's. Okay. How has Wendy's not brought that back? 1984. I don't know, man. Wait. They got breakfast at Wendy's now. Like what? it's it's no. fucking bedlam over there. Dave Thomas's dream is dead. <laughs> Isn't Wendy running it now? I think she owns a bunch of franchises, but she is not the CEO of the company. I imagine Wendy in like a great power suit coming in uh, and being like, dad's gone. Uh, get your feet off the table. This is no long. This is Wendy's house now. This is Wendy's. We got three fucking rules here. All right. One square hamburgers. Two. It's a frosty, not a milkshake. Three. No fucking <laughs> breakfast. There you go. That's Wendy's. And some like old friend of like Dave Thomas who was there, like who's just like. Wendy, what you gonna you gonna take out your dolls and show us how to make a hamburger? Get the fuck out of here, Bill! You're fired. I am fifty five years seven. old. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've been here since my kids. Get out of here, Bill! Before I have you escorted out, get him out of here. Anybody else have anything at the mouth off? Wendy's house. Yeah, so my name is on the fucking side. It's Wendy. Spell it. Do they still do say the, it? They still do the square hamburgers. I think so. I hope so. You know they, haven't, they haven't gotten they, away from that one central tenant. You know how much money they save by cutting off the round parts yeah, I was going to ask. I want to I want to know like which is actually more beef. Like do we have any geometrists around here? It's got to be the square. If you put know. the square in the circumference of the hamburger bun. Mm-hmm. So if the corners of the square are within the circumference of the hamburger bun, then it's got to be the square saves you is money, that the case, right? Though? Do I they, don't know. They, do, they I, not, do they not stick out? I don't know. I mean, in the end, it really just boils down to how much meat are you putting in that patty? I think the shape ultimately doesn't... It could be the thinnest (laughs) square in the world and, you know, lose to a quarter pounder. You know, you you Mm. don't really know. Mm. All I know is square hamburgers. That's the the way it should be. And now breakfast. Yeah. I guess. Wendy had her way. Wendy, we gotta stop at the breakfast. We're losing money head over fist. Nature's perfect burger cube. Bill, I did not hire you back to tell me how to fucking run my company again. Get out! All right, let's talk about um, the play date. The play oh, date? Great transition. All right. But, <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of little things that are squarish, where oh, is yeah. the play date? That's what, I got. That's what I got. The play date. Let's What's up with the play date? The play date's kind of cool. This is. Um, so this is from this Panic. Is, yes, this Panic. is. Yes, the play date, if, if you've probably seen it, even if you don't know what it is off the top of the head, it's a tiny little ha- yellow handheld video game machine. Little with a, like half a Game Boy with a crank, uh, from um, from yes from from Panic makers of fine Mac OS FTP and SSH clients and also yeah, Firewatch and, and Firewatch and Untitled Goose Game and now uh, a video game system, I guess. Yeah, uh, which is um. So Brad, once you set up, what what is the what makes the what makes the Playdate so special? It's basically a tiny kitschy little Game Boy, like old Game Boy. Like when you look at it. Like you really kind of realize it's it's a black and white screen, 
It's got a D-pad and two buttons on the face. It's kind of it's kind of a Game Boy. Yeah, uh, but 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 no uh, no no card slot. You're not you're not slotting in any games on this boy. Yeah, it's this it's is- it's 179 dollars. It comes with one season of games that'll roll out over time when you buy it and start using it. Uh, 24 games in that season, uh, of which I have played all. <laughs> so it's got the crank on the side. I don't know if we mentioned I am cranking it as we speak. Uh-huh. Yeah, Brad's cranking it got, as we speak. It's got a little a little crank on the side as an input device, not as a charging mechanism. Which I feel yes. like just about everybody needs spelled out because everyone's natural reaction is like, oh, you Power must be right. able to charge it with that crank. <laughs> no, it yeah. is a purely control-based crank. Yes. No, you may not. Uh, mm-hmm. The battery life's pretty good on it, though, I found. Uh, it's got, what, three gigs of storage on there? Uh, three gigs of storage, yeah. The games yeah. are tiny. Like, the yeah. games that it ships with range from, like, a few hundred kilobytes to like 60 megabytes. Like, yeah. Um, decent, decent refresh on the screen. Like, uh, we, we saw you, it was, it was around 60. Uh, I, I think I read in the specs, like it ranges from 30 to 60 or something along those lines. Okay. It was a little nonspecific. It's a, it's what they refer to as a one bit screen, which I gather means like <laughs> pixels are just on or off mm, where even yeah. like the original, I was reading about this. Even, even the original game boy screen had, could do like four shades of gray. Yeah, this the screen on this seems a little bit more like a game and watch in that LCD style looking thing, yeah, but it's, it's not. It's it's clearly it's not. It's got a but. name for it. It's not e-ink, but it's like not also just like traditional LCD. Like I'm like the screen never turns off, like to mm. put it in context. Like even when you lock it, it's got a, a clock that shows all the time. Uh and yeah, like they basically just say like, "Hey, the screen uses almost no power, so why not just leave it on all the time?" But to um, further uh illustrate just quickly here, and I don't want to give away the store, but the how nice that screen animates one of the apps you downloaded the um oh this is uh, great what what is it called what's the actual app called the uh the ds uh, thing the oh footnote, uh footnote thing playnote studio playnote studio yes, which uh, is not officially part of the <laughs> shipping set of games for this thing but they also like that's the actual secret sauce of this thing that i think is super cool they make it incredibly easy to sideload games onto this thing and the SDK has been out for months, so like prominent developers, for example, Lucas Pope, maker of uh, Return of the Overden and Papers, Please, is currently making a Playdate game. Uh, is so it out? No, it's not out yet. Uh, uh, there's a Ben like Foddy one too, isn't there? Yes, Ben Foddy has a game that's in in season one on here. Um, yeah, like and Plano Studio is one of those where I just found it. Like I just happened to see somebody <laughs> retweeting it on Twitter. I was like, oh man, that sounds cool, and it's like a. It's a way to play the the Flipnote Studio animations from the DSi that are no longer like available on a DSi. A concept yeah. I had completely forgotten existed until you showed that to me, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" And like the the implementation seems pretty great. Yeah, yeah they're they're you if if you don't know, they're user created kind of frame by frame mini animations, and this on the screen, you know, there's no color or anything, but they look great. They're they're fun to watch, and you use the crank to cycle through the frames of animation. Yeah. Uh, Brad, why don't you describe the side loading thing? Because actually, that was really novel. The way it's super I, it was easy. e- easier than I thought it like would. You literally would go to play.date, which is the homepage for this thing, and sign into your account. And then there's just a side load option that you click on, and you literally just drag the zip file of the game you downloaded from wherever, <laughs> like somebody's Google Drive or something. Uh, I there, I, I would assume there's maybe at least some kind of validation going on on their end before mm-hmm. they serve it to you. But you literally drag that zip file onto the side load web page and like. A few seconds later, it shows up in your download list on the play date as a game you can download. Like it's it's that kind it's kind of awesome. Like I, I'm 
I'm excited. Like somebody ported Doom to it already. Like apparently that. Oh, port, they did already. That port is not available at the moment. I, I guess it broke with some OS update or something like that, and they may not actually restore it to functionality. But uh, someone apparently, tried. Apparently, they set it up so that you fire the chain gun with the crank in that port. That's all I wanted. That is chain gun simulator. Magic, which, like, yeah. yeah, like that. That is the value of this thing. I mean, it's don't take this the wrong way. It's a neat toy. Yeah, sure. And I don't mean that in the sense that it's like cheap. It's like a fully formed product. Like it's got you it's know, $179, right? Like the, some of the games, like the, the games on it range from like pretty very simple arcade, like five minute, just like I'm going to chase a high score type stuff to like some pretty deep story driven stuff, which I have not spent as much time with because it's a tiny screen and like, I don't know, playing it for long stretches and reading small text on it and stuff mm. is maybe a little fatiguing. Um, But... Again, toy sounds a little pejorative. I don't mean it like it's like, you know, like it's all there. It's just what is all there is like very much kind of a trifle, I guess I would say. It's it's a curio. It's a boutique yeah. item. Yes. You know, like there's there's some interesting stuff on there, but it is really just kind of there to be poked and played at it with. It is not necessarily like your next big handheld game console. Yeah, right. That's right. what it feels like to me. Yeah. And like going through the like the credits on all these games, like I'm, almost all these games have between like one and four people in the credits. Mm-hmm. Like they are super bite size, very small teams, if if even a team and not just a single person. And like the whole thing just has this feel of like a, like a video game art gallery or like kind of art collective sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like totally. all of these, all these feel really like experimental in a lot of cases and, and very personal, like, you know, there's yeah. no, there's no like design by committee on this thing. It's all very just like focused creativity. You want to make a thing for this thing? Make a thing for this thing. Why right. not? Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all really kind of neat. There is this game on here called demon quest 85 that I'm kind of fascinated by. Uh, that doesn't use the crank at all. As far as I can tell, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it, man. <sighs> The conceit is that you're you found a like this ancient tome instruction manual for summoning demons under your frat bro older brother's bed. Mm-hmm. Happens. We've all been there. Like it has page after page of descriptions of these like elder demons that may be summoned, uh-huh. and it's like, oh, this one loves the sound of running water and is good at helping people find uh, lost objects. And also has designs on uh, seizing the sixth throne for himself for all eternity and will only help people who further that goal. Mm-hmm. And then you have a yearbook of people at your high school with a bunch of like problems and weird traits and quirks and stuff. And you have a kitchen full of food and you have a tape deck with a bunch of tapes that have like nature sounds and like just jazz and some metal or whatever. And it's this weird logic puzzle of trying to like look at what each of these demons likes and dislikes and trying to match that to people in your yearbook huh. and different and different tapes, like different different music and different different ingredients in the kitchen. I have not successfully summoned a demon yet. I've tried super <laughs> for better or worse. Numerous yeah, times. And like they- and the writing the writing is really funny in it. Like it's 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 got a ton of charm to it. Like it's it's very simple. Like it could easily be played on a web page. Hmm. There's nothing like super advanced about it. And like I said, I don't think it uses the crank at all, but like it's, it's a fascinating little game that I'm kind of intrigued by. You don't use the crank to, to in a mixing bowl. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I don't know what happens when you summon a demon. Maybe you got, ah, maybe you have to crank, crank them back to the nether world. I'm not sure, but there's something there's uh there's, there's 
like a an interactive experience is what they seemed like to me. Like maybe Kinda. games, you know, there's definitely some games in there. Yeah, like that one that's basically it. just the California game surfing is most definitely right. a game. Yes, like that, that, there's like two different games that are very Asteroids-like in here. Um, trying to think what other action-y stuff. Uh, da, 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 flipping through stuff here. Mm. Like, there's there's a thing called Boogie Loops that is kind of just for making like looped music like songs like fruity loops but they made it for this mario paint style almost um you know it's probably worth mentioning the sound chip is pretty decent too yeah like like there are some like eight bit sound yeah i mean some games have that stylistically but other games have like straight up like digital actual music um there's a game probably there's like at least two games on here that use the crank for time travel back and forth Love it. Like there's a there's a scrolling shooter that we played on that stream on Monday that, that lets you mm-hmm. back time up when you die. Back um, that time up. Mm-hmm. But then, God, what is the name of this game? It doesn't actually. I can never remember. There it is. Kranken presents time travel adventure. Okay. Adventures. I don't know if you can see it. It's oh, very, it's for too hard to see. It's I heard it. It's like an entirely crank driven like action puzzle kind of game. Mm-hmm. Where you're this clockwork robot trying to go on dates with this clockwork lady robot. Okay. And she wants you there at a certain time and you're always late. <laughs> uh, and you basically crank back and forward through time to try to get to this date. But like, there's like butterflies flying at you and stuff that you have to avoid because they kill you. It, it's a really weird nonlinear time thing where you're like rewinding time, but except that the butterfly is not rewound by time, only the robot. So you have to like back yourself up into a position where you can avoid the butterfly. Uh, it's really weird, okay. heady stuff. Like they do some interesting yeah. stuff with the crank for sure. What will it take to get a game, an action game based on the movie crank that uses the crank so onto, like you have onto to, the play date? You'd have to crank your like heart rate back up. Yeah. You, you have, have to, to crank your heart crank. rate up, but you're also like probably doing like, you know, little quick time events with the AMB button and moving side to side. It's mm. so, like game boy style side scroller. With Jason I, Statham doing increasingly terrible things. I envision Jason Statham taking one look at this thing and just crushing it in the palm of his hand. <laughs> personally, Maybe so that's I, how it ends. I don't know. You yeah, call I, this uh, a fucking game console. Oh, I mean, he's like he loves it. He's like it's great. It's great. It's adorable. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a what? It's adorable. Okay, yes. Yeah, I don't do a good Jason Statham. No, I don't know if that's coming it's, across it's, or not. No, Let me just it's, be, it's, be clear it's, about this. It's like he's in the room with us. Oh, it's wow. amazing. Yeah, it's like he's right here. The play date uh, is, it, some of it reminds me of when VR headsets first came out and you'd have these little micro experiences. Yeah. And that's and that's what you wanted, right? You don't want a thing, You don't want this thing to overstay, any of these things to overstay their welcome because they don't, they're not fleshed. The mechanic isn't, the gimmick right. isn't fleshed out enough. And so, hey, 10 minutes in this experience is enough. And some of those games seem to remind me of that. Like, 10 minutes with this thing, that's enough. So that's that. all you need. Yeah, also, uh, yeah. so it started shipping on Monday, with the first wave. And I'm, I'm curious to see what people who have the actual retail experience think about it, because they're only going to get two games a week Yes, for the next three months. Uh, as opposed to, like, these, you know, these, these review units we got had a, the condensed season. You kind of just could get it's all, all just the games. there which was a little overwhelming to have like two dozen games plus some sideloaded stuff all to go through at once. So like getting the drip feed of stuff, I think might be mm-hmm. probably a more ideal way to experience these things. I have a, if you, if you can answer this and please say like, uh, no, I can't talk about that. Was there a, a code or something you had to put in to unlock the rest? Oh, of the we, game? Yeah. I just had to like send them the serial number of my unit and they 
just oh, flipped, it's tied to your account. Yeah, because right. it's all server based, like which games yes. you get and oh. when. So they just flipped a thing that was like, hey, you have all the games now. And I assume so, that when so, season two comes around, you will get the drip feed like everyone yeah, else. I don't know. I'm curious. Like they've had, I mean, everybody has had such supply chain issues. Like this thing was supposed to come out in 2020 yeah. originally. Um, and I'm sure they probably had grander plans at one point for subsequent seasons. But as of right now, the fact on their site is just like super noncommittal about kind of whether there will be a season two, let alone what, uh, well, what form it will take. So I've got one of these pre-ordered and the messaging, which I got back in November when they had their battery issue. And if people remember that, we talked about it. Uh, they had some really nasty stuff come in with their batteries. They weren't working the way they were supposed to. And I think they and, got like, I think it was like several thousand units, right? Something like something that. Really it, was like it was the actual production run of units came in from overseas and like the batteries were basically unusable. So they had to yeah. like source new batteries and remanufacture everything. They also had to source new chips for the processor. Yes, I think. The, yes, I, I, I was reading about that. Yeah, like the. In fact, they sent out some preview units last summer to a few outlets, and apparently those units had the fast, the older, faster processor in them. Oh wow! And that this okay. the shipping retail version has got a slower chip in it. But they redesigned the architecture of the board. I, I believe, at least, I, I don't know enough about the mechanics of it, but the the way they have presented it in their stuff is that it does not. It's not like a slower experience for the the unit. They, right. They say that it is. Comparable yeah, the to what? the uh, the Ars Technica review I was reading, they said there, they, there was one of the 24 games that they found ran slower on this retail unit than they also have the preview okay. unit, and they could see some differences in performance, but otherwise it was mm. pretty much the same. But, like, so, I've, I've talked to enough people who try to get things manufactured to know that it's a nightmare in any context, let alone mm. with the way things have been for the last couple of years, so I get it, but, yeah. So, so the messaging I had about the season stuff from November was that they said, this is how they're going to roll out season one. And when you get the, I think the current messaging is when you get your unit, which mine is still slated to ship middle, I'm in wave three or four. Mine is slated to ship middle of 2022 or somewhere, somewhere about my season will start when I get it. Yes. And then every, every week I will get the two games. I will not, even though people who got it earlier will have all of them unlocked. I will start my season when I open my package and turn it on. And their messaging was, listen, this is just how we're going to do it to try and give everyone that seasonal experience. Hopefully by season two, and they say the word season two, this will be the dream we had of everybody who has one just gets the games on the same cadence. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see how that all goes. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Maybe this is out there. If there would ever be a marketplace or if there is ever going to be any kind of monetization beyond the cost of entry, $180 into the play date to get other games this Ability to sideload by dragging in almost makes it seem like that would be very hard to do because piracy would be just too easy. Well, it also just I mean, doesn't seem like that's their ethos at all. Yeah, I, I mean, if if they do an actual season two, I assume that's a thing where like they would fund the development of those games and then they would have mm -hmm. them exclusively. Like there were probably unless people just like root this thing and find ways to get the games off, which they will. They, yeah. they, they might. It's possible. I don't know. Um, yeah, like enough of the development tools are out there for this thing. People are probably going to figure out a lot. Uh, but 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 yeah, like you know, they would they would be holding those games in reserve and probably charging yeah. you for that season. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if they will charge for season uh, two. I, I don't know. I would, I I would assume so. Uh, like you would, if you bought one, you'd always get season one for free, and then maybe season two. I mean, there must be some kind of um way to fund the development of these games. Right. You know, like yeah. beyond the one-time cost of buying in. 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm just I'm excited to see where the homebrew scene goes for this thing. Like that's that's the like getting that that DSI Flipnote player on here was kind of eye opening for me. Of like, oh, people are going to use this thing for other uses than just games, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's you know, there's I'll bring this up as a kind of thought exercise, but there's something about this at 180 dollars. It is not it is not a throwaway amount it's not of money nothing. for for this thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so there's something about this though that. When I saw this, I was like, I would like to have own this. There's something, something about this. They have at least spun the tail where this seems unique enough. I would like to have this in my mm-hmm. hands. Yeah. I mean, like, they, you know, they collaborated with Teenage Engineering on the design and like, it's very like sleek and, and uh, like attractive looking in an Apple kind of way. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just weird and quirky and offbeat enough yes. that it's not really exactly like anything else out there. That's yeah. So that's what I thought. Like weird and quirky enough. And then I'm gonna bring this up because I was just thinking about it just now. I have none of those feelings for something like the Amico, for yeah. something like that. That is, I, I don't. And that thing is the, playing at very specific nostalgia strings too. I, but everything I see about that says I don't. I don't even want this as a as a curiosity. And I'm not exactly sure if I could put my finger on it, aside from when I see those games on the Amico, I just have zero interest. Yeah. And when I see Brad cranking this tiny little screen with these little games on it, there's something about it that feel that appeals to me. That is also appealing to a nostalgia. Uh, it's appealing to nostalgia, but it has its own novelty to it as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, I there's a, I, there's, there's an earnestness and an authenticity to this thing, like top to bottom from the hardware design to like, all the different games that are on it too, frankly, just the, it's, it's, it's very existence, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. like you don't, especially when you're like a successful software company, which like I said, is making mostly like applications for iOS and stuff at this point. Like, mm-hmm. like you don't make something like this unless you were really passionate about making something like this. There, I think there's also something about the limited scope about yeah. it. That is, that doesn't seem like they are trying to take over the world with the play date or, uh, overreach maybe mm-hmm. in, in ways that's things like the Ouya or the Miko have that aura around it. You know what I mean? Like there, there's, there's a drum that beats with some of that stuff. Like this is going to be the next huge thing and everybody's going to have one. And the play date just had this vibe. And maybe this is the definition of cool of like, yeah, we're putting this thing out into the world. People who want it, go get it. Yeah, if you don't yeah, want yeah. it. Don't this, get this it. This thing is not intended to be a mass market device. Like it's very niche yeah. and knows it. And it's presenting <laughs> yeah. itself that way. And that's kind of what I meant about it. Just feeling like this art collective thing of just like, mm-hmm. and you know, there are a lot of like recognizable names in here, like Bennett Foddy and Zach Gage and Samantha Coleman worked on one of these games. Um, and yeah, it, like it's just a bunch of like working game designers flexing their creativity with this like small, like limited in scope feature set. That's just kind of like heartwarming to see. Yeah, it's just like but giving again, a bunch of artists a particular tool set and seeing what comes right. out of them. Right. But again, it's almost 200 bucks, and even if you want one, you're not going to get it until next year if you buy it right now. So, like, it's, you know. Listen, 2023 is right around the corner. It's right there. The play date is the uh, game designer's comedian. It's, uh, it's yes. You know, the, That's <laughs> exactly, yes. That's exactly. Yes. It's the game console that only game designers like. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm no, joking. It, yeah, yeah, it, no, but it, it's 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 got a, it's got a vibe, and just it, it, again, I was just bringing that up because, boy, why do those some some consoles just rub me the wrong way in their marketing and advertising and appeal, and this thing, which 
is probably in a similar price point to some of that stuff is like, no, I need to have this, this, this little, this little novelty that will probably get played not much beyond checking the things out as they release every week. You know, I, I can't see myself. There's no, I don't think you mentioned this, Brad, but there's no backlighting on that. Yes. I, I, that was one thing I meant to mention is, and it's, been, there's, there's been some real flashback to 2001 moments of the first Game Boy Advance I bought and getting home with it and going, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like quite literally yesterday, I was trying to play it on the couch in the living room at like 5 p.m. Yeah. And because of the angle of the sun coming into the room, sitting upright on the couch, I could like not really see the screen. I had to yes. like lie down on the couch with the thing facing the window directly and then it looked great. But like it, it, it's, you- it's very, it's very limited in the visibility for sure. I don't know if you 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 guys had this memory, but it's burned into my head of the Game Boy sitting in car trips playing it and then going through a tunnel and just having to pause it yep, and be yes. like, ah, oh, well, fuck. Yes. All right, well, can't wait until we get through this thing and then wait until you get to the other side of the tunnel to unpause it. Or if it's you're driving at night, trying. we were in a caravan at the time, so there was the back light overhead light and my dad yelling that you cannot have that thing on while we're driving but i can't see the screen on the game boy if i don't have I it can't on. see my wario land dad <laughs> hey man bring but, bring back the worm light the time is now worm light, it's just powered yeah. off the usbc port it's just There's, you know what to do never been a better time or or yeah, somebody so, so somebody put out an afterburner kit for the play date i will install it myself I want a giant magnifying glass and a worm light on that thing. The it does have a, a USB C port that uh, is USB C to A on the cable that comes with it. Yes, yes. And so there's a capture utility that's free. Or a yeah, they put out this little utility. mirror app that just lets you capture a video over USB and works really well. You can neat. even use the keyboard and or a gamepad to play games on it through that app. That's which wild. is cool. Um, yeah. I've been reading through some of the docs for the SDK out of curiosity. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I'm going to and mess with it. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious about that aspect of it. There's also, there's also Playdate Pulp, which is a web, ba- uh, web website, web based game creation utility, like obviously much more mm. limited. Um, do you know if it, does it need to connect? Does it need to connect to Wi-Fi to play a game? I know it needs to get the game. I don't from think Wi-Fi, so, but I don't think there's so. no auth or like handshake. Not that I've seen. It's hard okay. to say for sure, but. Because it's always on and it's always you seem just connected. In your I, background. I don't think it actually stays connected all the time because okay. it's it seems very obsessive about maximizing battery life. Mm. Like when you go into the menu, like when you go into like the game list and stuff, it seems like very explicitly like it's connecting to Wi-Fi. Interesting. To, okay. to refresh and so forth. Uh, I wonder if anybody will do something clever with maybe asynchronous multiplayer or something that can send back and forth. Not even a possible. I should, I should look in the SDK docs. Or maybe that's see, against the terms of service. See yeah. if there's any kind of like accessible network stack on this thing. Um, yeah. I I had thought to do this. I just did it as we were talking. Like I found a story on Destructoid here that has uh, aggregated a bunch of games that are available for it. So mm-hmm. like developers are selling games on itch for this thing. Like okay, so you buy the zip and then here, drag it over. Yes, like here is here's a game called Ribbit Rabbit for a dollar. Here is one called Bomber Panda for two dollars. That's interesting. You know, that hadn't even occurred to me because we live in such a marketplace style thing. Like that is actually like now as I talk through this, like that's actually the coolest thing about this thing (laughs) is you can straight up go to a third party seller, pay somebody $2 and download a zip file and drag it onto this thing. And it just works like that's awesome. Huh? Yes. Give me some bootleg Street Fighter where I just crank and Ryu shoots out fireballs from his hands constantly. And the faster I crank, the faster 
Show me how fast you can crank. Uh, it's pretty fast. Or uh, I want to do a fatality with the crank that is like forward, <laughs> crank forward three times, forward back, forward oh, forward God. back. Uh, yeah, that's or a safe cracker. Give me a safe cracker game with Ooh, the crank. Yeah, okay. Where you gotta like crank slowly to uh, your master thief. Anyway, I'll get the SDK when I get by. Look forward to Vinny's safe cracking. Playdate seems fun, and if you want one, buckle up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a ride. One hundred eighty bucks, and it's. 2023 at the earliest i think yeah i've got uh, i've got this email they sent out in front of me here uh these waves are only 10,000 units so mm. there are five groups shipping in 2022 and it's 10,000 units per so they're only mm. they're only shipping 50,000 of these things in the first year ish which is not a lot not a lot not a lot Pretty niche, the full up niche right? little thing but it's really neat yeah yeah uh, I'm excited to see mine in the coming months. It's uh, the one color, right? That uh, yeah, just the just the yellow. Yeah, uh, you know, like by the time you get yours, theoretically, there may be like a whole bunch more games out there to, to oh, yeah. sideload onto it. I wonder if they'll change up the production stuff, ever revert back to the original specs, or just in no. I mean, everything will be designed around this new spec. Mm, so there's, fair enough. You know. Fair enough. All right, let's take a quick break. And we'll come back with more video games. Stick around, everybody. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some, uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. And we're back. Let's move on to some games we have been playing. Some of those video games that we have been playing. Some of these have been out for a while. Some of them just released. Some of them out for a while and just released. Hot yeah, off the presses. <laughs> the hottest presses. Let's start with Norco, a game that came out uh, almost a month ago at, at this point. But we only like, started playing a couple weeks ago. Did it really? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's about a month old at this point. Uh, it's on Game Pass. It's on the PC. Oh, it's on PC Game Pass. Yes. 15 bucks. 
it's a, a a story adventure in the vein of let's say not necessarily a point and click adventure but part point and click part graphic novel it uses point and click elements while telling mm-hmm. what a story like it is a very writing heavy story heavy game it is not a ton of puzzle solving and we've talked some about this in the setup so the setup briefly is you're in this new orleans town in this norco, sci-fi norco louisiana which is a real place norco louisiana yeah and you're in this kind of sci-fi gothic setting and it's it's the the writing is fairly i would say dense but doesn't feel impenetrable yeah it, it it's it's heavily it's, stylized it's, it is there is a fair amount of text but it is also very good about knowing when to edit itself and not make conversations carry on too long and now you have finished it i, I did I'm I nearing the end I thought I was going to be able to finish it. I didn't have enough time to, I think, uh, talking to you, it sounds like maybe I'm not even more than a half hour or so. I think you have about 30 to 40 minutes left total. I have found that game to be, some of the writing in that game to be pretty funny, and I'm a tough crowd when it comes to video game writing uh, to be funny. It's not a knee slapper. It's just strange and weird around the edges. That kind of like funny, strange, not funny, ha ha. Yeah, yes. funny like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Okay, because I, I got I I left off some ways into chapter one, but yeah, it seemed pretty self-serious up to that point. So, so I think that's what makes some of that stuff pretty, pretty funny when it happens. But there are a couple of moments in there that are just funny to read. And there's one character, is it LeBlanc? Yeah, the detective. That that guy is, is just, one of the legendary pieces of shit of of video games. <laughs> that guy is a dirtbag of the utmost pedigree. But just the writing mm. on him, he's like a dirtbag, but not. He's like a lovable dirtbag. Like he's a scumbag that's on your side. Like he's actually yes. he's he's genuine. Like he has genuine interests that align with yours, but at the same time, like he's a guy who basically gets by on making people think he's more important or more interesting than he actually is. There's a lot of like, oh man, I don't want to spoil anything by going into it too much, but there's a point where you're trying to figure out information in, in a location where he had grown up. This guy LeBlanc had grown up and spent a lot of time. And he, he kind of alludes to that. It, it had a kind of bad falling out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you're finding out some real bad stuff. Some real heinous stuff went down there. And the whole time he's kind of like, but 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 did he mention me like when that bad stuff went? I was like, no. Like he no, didn't say anything about doing that because of me, right? He's <laughs> like, no. Like it definitely. Why are you asking this? I just I'm just yeah. I was just curious, you know. I was just. And there's another part that I just really like that. I think I sent this over to you, Alex. That was like I think I really like this character where some just bizarre stuff is happening in this game. Constantly bizarre stuff. And some walls of text happen. And at some point, he just writes. Or just the text from him is just. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit drunk. Like, yeah. <laughs> could you just run that by me? Did that just happen? It's just a very, very well written. It's a heavy game, and it's it, it trucks in some pretty heavy stuff. I and mean, some of that stuff is light enough that I really. Enjoy it's a it. game that trucks in stuff like you know, kind of examining the lives that these people live in the shadow of this giant oil refinery and this giant oil corporation that kind of is sort of the centerpiece of the entire town they live in. And everyone has kind of either worked there or been touched by that corporation in some way or another. It is dealing with some very like specific readings of Christian theology in mm-hmm. also 
you know, like straight up, like there is a cult of dudes who are all named Garrett and they wear Best Buy shirts and they just hang out in this abandoned mall, you know, like it's going all, all over great. the place. The whole thing, the whole thing is great with the mall. It's Garrett of the Geek Squad. Yeah, it's really it's it, it's it's tr- pulling from a lot of different things. and It's trying a lot of different things. And I think the game's greatest success is that for all the wild sh- shit and all the swings it's taking it all kind of comes together. Like, I, I think, mm. th- I feel like the ending of that game is going to be very divisive for people because it follows through on some stuff that you maybe don't expect it to. Um, but the way, it, like, it, it commits. It commits all the way. It's like, no, we were being completely serious when we were talking about all this wild-ass shit. And that, I think, I think some people will not be expecting it to go that far, but... It's great that it does. I kind of loved the ending. I love that that's where it went. Okay. I, I have, I, the more I have played of it, the more I have adored this game yeah. in a way that I think, I think it starts off fairly tepid. It's a pretty like, slow you know, roll the, at the beginning. Yeah. And it, it, re- the, it really pops off. Yeah. Like there is this, I mean, it's not an action game. No. There are a couple of and like like turn based battle sequences here and there, but those are pretty lightweight. They're lightweight and they're not great. Yeah, I, they're they're maybe the weakest parts of the game, but for me, yeah. But the 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 where the story goes and and kind of the pace of it, I really enjoy. And I I find sometimes sometimes I said this last time find a lot of the writing skippable when it starts getting very dense like that, and there's a lot of it. But the, here I wanted to I wanted to run through all of it. Yeah, it was. There are some parts I was kind of speed reading my way mm-hmm. through it because there are long passages, but for the most part, it's 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 like kooky enough. It, yeah. The stuff is just so weird. It's singular, like it doesn't feel like you can see the influences, you can see the kinds of things it's pulling from, but like it feels like it has its own distinct voice and its own distinct method of delivering the story it wants to tell. And I don't know, like it's just it feels like. They swung for the fences with this, and I think they mostly connected on everything they wanted to. My favorite chapter so far is probably the mall stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I really thought that was silly, and that leads into some of the stuff with that character LeBlanc after. It's just like, the from there on, it's really a lot of traction with the tires for me. Like, that, that, that story really moves forward, the... I forget what they the the ditch man. Yes. Uh whatever they call him. It, it's just everything is so weird and then off the rails and the train is moving at nine hundred miles an hour and feels like no one's at the controls. Stuff is happening that shouldn't be happening. There's stuff involving consciousness and like, you know, kind of some some straight up like cyberpunk tech type stuff. Like it is just again, it is all over the place. But huh. it is amazing how they keep it all within the rails. That yeah. Sounds interesting. I've been yeah. I've, for some reason I've had soma on the brain again recently. That sounds mm. kind of sounds like it might be in the same vein a little bit. It, it touches on a couple of similar subjects, but it is it is a very different kind of story. So there's no Norco. Xbox version of this, right? I, Not I, currently. Okay, it's, it is only it's on so PC it, right now. Okay, like some of the wording around it is like get it on Xbox PC Game Pass, which is very confusing. But I, I think, think they just oh, call everything just, Xbox right. Game Pass <laughs> now. Yeah, that's just branding. But from looking at the store page, I think it is PC only for now. It seems like this would be a better fit for a mobile device from the way they do some of the interactions. Like I don't the, know if you want to read all that text on a mobile device. I, you know you're probably right. It would have to be a fairly decent sized screen unless they did something with the size of it. But the, the puzzles in it are very tappy, like click on the yes, screen. Yes, they are. For, for some of those things. 
but I, I really like it. I can't wait to wrap it up. And I think it might be my favorite thing I've played so far this year. It, it's up there for me. The the writing really, really is something yeah. extraordinary in it. And Norco, $15 on PC. Yes. And on the Game Pass uh, on, on PC if you're there. But $15 uh, either way, you slice it. And on Mac, let's just say. Yeah. Out there. You got a Macintosh. Put that Norco yeah. on there. Yes. Can I play it on my Lisa? Uh, you know, I it's got that vibe that it should be on the Lisa. Mm. It's it, it like graphically mm. looks like it is close to it. So, but no, probably not. I'll get you some floppies, man. Don't worry. I'll get you. I'll get you hooked up. Dwarf Romantic. Yes, Tim Conway I, in Dwarf Romantic. I, you know, like if the Danny Glover very, references aren't going to play, the Tim Conway ones definitely aren't going to either. <laughs> There are there are two people that understood that reference, and one of them also sighed and was like, "Don't reference Dorf. That's a time. That's that is exile. That was from uh, that humanity. was barely of its time in its time. So <laughs> it's like nobody feels good about that, and most of the copies have been burned. That is some sub earnest so shit right there. That is uh, it's everybody involved in that regrets. Oh, it. I don't so, know about that. They, I bet he made some money everybody. off those videotapes. I hope he's donated at all. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's say. All right, Dorf Romantic. Yes, has nothing to do with the Tim Conway series of films. It is a uh so this is a puzzle game uh that well, I guess was in early access for a period. I didn't touch it at all in early access. I just started playing it recently. Yeah, for like I think like a year now. I played yeah. it back when it very first went into early access. And it's a it is a tile-based puzzle game where you are basically plonking down little bits of environment around and trying to kind of connect things. Uh, you know, you get these specific missions that are like, hey, you need to have an area over here that has X number of trees. And if you do that, you get more pieces to play with or X number of houses or fields or, you know, you need to connect this number of ra- railroad tracks. And the thing is, with the exception of a couple of things, which are the water and the railroad tracks... You can kind of place anything anywhere. Nothing has to connect. But if you want to meet your goals and you don't want to run out of puzzle pieces at a certain point, you have to do those challenges and you have to kind of try and complete them. But the vibe is extremely mellow. Yes. Uh, it is a game where you... I'd say you probably each session I've played of it has been like between 30, 35 minutes, somewhere around there, maybe a little longer. And... It is go at your own pace. Just try and make things work the way you want to make it work. And it has this just incredibly oddly satisfying feel to it. Mm. There's something almost um, trying to think how to put like it should be tilt shifted. Like it should it should have a tilt shift look to it almost because it almost feels like or it should be arrayed on an actual physical table in the game world or something like it feels like it feels like you're like. The uh, retiree sitting at a table, like playing with a model almost sometimes of of a landscape, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And that's like, I think that is the satisfying element of it is just plunking those things and making them fit in a way, you know, that, that like benefits you. Yeah, it is. And, it is mega chill. But it has like that kind of like little, you know, sort of like top over SimCity kind of feel like, you know, when you, have, when you plunk down the railroad tracks, there's a little train that goes around. You plunk down like a little. uh you know, like sort of like water hub area. There's boats floating around and stuff like, you know, they draw a little bit of life in there to kind of make it feel a little bit more like a, you know, like you like you're actually building a living space. Uh, but really the satisfaction of it is just like, how big can I make this? How many things can I connect? And 
I don't know. I mean, like I said, each session probably takes me about half an hour. I've got about four hours currently in that game. So, oh wow, yeah. okay. I've been playing it a bunch yeah. over the last couple of days. It's definitely something you could like throw in a window and put on your second monitor and just kind of plink away at it. Absolutely, or something like that. Yeah, in between doing other stuff, if you want, it's a game you just like, need to pay just enough attention to. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting to hear how it turned out in the final analysis because when I was playing it in early access, I kept thinking like, have they just not added all the mechanics to this yet? Because it is so freeform and so just like mm. kind of do what you want, like other yeah. than like fulfill these vague objectives in whatever way. Like other than that, it's just kind of like, hey, just build a thing out. I mean, it does score you, right? Like, there's yes, like, there is a score. I think, I th- like. Okay. Completing those objectives and certain other objectives gets you more points. Sometimes you, if you pr- plunk down what do they consider a perfect placement, which is that everything kind of connects with something else, you get more points for that. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I just, I, I think, I think it's, it's one of those things that's like just tickling the right parts of my brain. It's, it's got a. I have not played it, but it has a. The look of it has a very board game vibe. I mean, it looks like it Catan. looks European as shit. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, German. But it, yeah, yes, very much. And but it, you know, maybe like more Carcassonne kind of. Hey, make the tiles match the 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 road and and the whole thing. Yeah, it it very much looks like you're placing these hexagons to match the tile the side that you want to continue going in a board game fashion where you'd go around is it multiplayer at all do you know no and the thing is like there isn't even like a different play board like you're unlocking like different um skins for some of like the bigger tile pieces and sometimes you're just unlocking the ability to have specific tile pieces that are not just like the generic ones but there isn't Mm -hmm. like different play boards or different like sets of stuff it's all kind of the same and as far as i can tell the actual environmental tiles are randomly generated like there isn't a specific kind that you're using over and over again it's just like this one randomly generates a little bit of water and some railroad track this one is only field like that kind of thing dwarf romantic with a k at the end with with a k i have no idea what a dwarf romantic is the game does not explain that i don't know what that mm. that term translates to I'm sure it is like a vague sense of longing in german or something i don't know <laughs> but whatever the case the game is pretty good yeah, and it's out. Uh, I think it's like fifteen dollars. It's yes. Is it is it still early access? Because when I go to Steam, it seems like it's still. I early think it access, is out but... of early access in like a week. Okay, a uh, oh, fourteen dollars on Steam for Dorf Romantic. And before you ask, yes, I checked. There was not an embargo on this. I was allowed to talk about it. So <laughs> yeah, well, but it is it is I mean, out it, of early access next week, and you can buy it right now and play it right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, They've got their release date as the 25th listed here, but I think uh, it still says early access. I am very curious about yeah. it. It seems it's cool. It seems charming. Good cool out game. Good cool out game. Uh, fits like a. Oh boy. The opposite of uh-huh. a good cool out game. Fits like a. <sighs> Fired up Steam Love. this morning. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Checked out the hottest new release on the personal computer. Yes. The uh, 3D platformer, character platformer, Glover. Glover. Which, I have zero Glover experience from back in the day. I didn't even know what it was until there was this recent Glovisance in the last few years, which was extremely tongue-in-cheek, I gather, because I don't know if anybody actually likes Glover for real. Oh, it's purely irony-based, 100%. Okay. Uh, that was my impression. <laughs> um, so, Glover, a Nintendo 64 game. And a PlayStation yeah, we, 1 game. game. We, uh, okay. Uh, I, both, I believe. Yeah. 
I had only known it from the N64. I I read, I don't, I can't confirm this, but I read this port is based on the N64 version, which I think it might have both versions in it. Kind of looks like it's hard to tell. I played it with keyboard. Okay. I don't know that I recommend doing. It's It's not really how 3D platformers work. It's a weird port. Uh, It's got no graphics options whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. I did realize you can alt. I mean, you can alt enter it from window to full screen, but they don't have like a toggle in there that I could find. Uh, okay. Also, all the keys just map to buttons on the controller. They don't like. They don't change key prompts when you're using the keyboard. Okay. Uh, and I just had to figure out like, okay, which key? Oh, X is A. Huh? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, which one's yeah, left trigger yeah. here? Like, what? What are the keyboard keys that actually? So you like you move with the arrow keys control the camera with WASD. Like it's a weird thing. I finally kind of figured it out, but it's that port is extremely bare bones. And you play as a glove. Also, yeah, you are a glove glove. I guess you're a glove. You like smack balls and mount balls mm. and like you mm-hmm. play with balls. That's mm-hmm. kind of, the, Hey, that's what Glover likes that's to the do. Mechanic, right? So is it okay? Did you feel like playing it? You were, compromising your system in any way uh, no like a, like hang a, on is there something i should know no i've seen some rumblings that the developer of this might be involved in some nft stuff but i've not huh. seen anything that is specific to the glover port well i mean i could i could launch it right now with task manager up and see if anything no don't do that happens. no no don't do that i don't want your podcast to go out of sync or something or launch it on a different computer if it if it spikes your cpu uh you know, I mean, run up cycles. The, the there. real thing is that Glover was not a great game, even in the late nineties. It was an okay three <laughs> D platformer, from what I remember of it. Uh, but it was not anything special. Again, the Jim Ross ad read is maybe the most memorable thing about all things Glover. Is that hmm. yeah? Is that why it reentered the consciousness? In it the has last definitely made years? its way around social media multiple times. Yeah. Okay. That was kind of my guess. But it's like, it's not horrible either. It's just not a game that I feel like anyone really has any serious affection for, even if you are like one of those junkies for old 3D mascot platformers. <laughs> right. It's no Buck Bumble. No. I mean, boy, what is, really? Yes. It's, uh, Brad, how is, how is N64 Mr. Support these days? It's non-existent. Not, non-existent. Not, so this is the only happening. way. How is, P- but PS1 is, is getting yes, there? it is. So it's Glover close. on the, P- can you play Glover on the Mr.? Uh, I mean, I guess you could. I, I, I did not real. I thought it was an N64 only game until Alex just said it was on the PS1. Yeah, no, it's on both. Is it really? Yeah. Uh, I theoretically you could. All right. We'll have to verify this at some no point. No one will see. consider that core finished until Glover works on it perfectly. <laughs> flawless global yeah. support support well here's a 100 no damage run on youtube just in great just, in just watch that need. instead of actually buying glover three hours and six minutes of perfect glover you gotta love the uh, this would you um would you the the text on their on their steam page says this version of glover is a completely redone from the original source code, N64 version of the game. I don't know what redone means in this case because it does not feel like they actually redid anything. Ported, I guess, probably Ported? what they mean. Is that yeah, what that probably means? what that actually okay. means. It says, and improved for modern PC. Nothing, nothing about it felt redone for an N64 <laughs> game. It just felt ad- adapted to play on a computer. All right. Well, thanks for checking, uh, going into the, the wilds and, and hunting the Glover. Seems playable from what I can tell. You know, no, what else is happening under it. the hood? I cannot say. 
Do we know who originally put this out? What is, I what don't is the publisher? Who did Glover belong to? I want to say it was like THQ or something. That but extremely seems like something. Hasbro Interactive. Hasbro. There we go. Publishers, true, Hasbro Interactive and Bleem. Yes, Hasbro Interactive, the true toy headquarters. Okay, great. Bleem. Bleem. Still kicking around somehow. Pico Interactive and Bleem present Glover for your for Present your something that is mining Bitcoin in the background of your computer. <laughs> we don't, we know, don't know that, that. for that is, sure. that is allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> we don't no, know that. I don't think sure. that's actually but, true. Glover wants to get in there with some Bitcoin. Okay. Glove coin. Uh, that is, it's coming soon. That, that is Glover. It is out now. Uh, you can pick it up if if you so desire for $20. Uh, I don't PC. recommend that, personally. I wouldn't have recommended mm. that in the original version, either. Mm. If that's your thing. If that's your thing. Irony can only carry me so far. Yeah, I kind of actually didn't start a new game. I just played the training mode, which lets you run around <laughs> and do all the gloving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I may have gloved enough there. Yeah. I don't know. It's I time mean, to de-glove look, is what you're saying? If you're... Oh, dude, no. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Uh, you don't, you don't no, absolutely not. Stuff. If you're in the market for a modern port of Glover, you already know it. Yeah. We're not telling you anything you don't already know. No Glover. I finished Horizon. Oh. Or I saw credits oh. on Horizon. The Forbidden West. For, Wait, what, I, do you, what do you mean? Yeah. Is there more after the credits? Well, uh... Or do they just you can you, you can loose? jump, you can go back in and, and mop up okay. anything that is. Uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say anything because I don't know that for sure, but it, it does give you an opportunity to go back in and and do some stuff if you want side quests and and you know that sort of biz in an open world game that you would expect to happen in a large open world game, so you're not locked out of content. I really liked it. I did. I think the ending is. I'm not going to say bonkers okay. because it's not necessarily bonkers and I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but it is silly. Okay. It's okay. the way that game, the way that game wraps up and sets up the world is silly in a way I kind of appreciate. I can't say it's completely satisfying. Okay. That was going to be my question. Yeah, I can't say it's completely for me. I can't play. I say I am completely satisfied, but it is silly enough to say, well, what are we doing next? Uh, that is that is how I would say that I left that game. Does it feel like a sequel uh, hook at the end? Like explicitly? Oh, yeah. oh boy. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. Oh, well, yeah. but in a fun in, 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 in possibly a fun way, depending where you're. Okay. They'll going. probably make another one of those. Does it have a post credit scene? Um. I don't think it did. Oh, okay. The post credit scene is me trying to get the platinum. Interesting. Out, uh, because game. the first game sure did. And prior to that scene, it sure felt like that first game just kind of wrapped itself up. And then all of a sudden it was like, nope. <laughs> nope. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. I'm trying to think back. I, boy, I, I don't think so, but uh, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't, I don't want to say no definitively. It was pretty late when I beat it. <laughs> Uh, and somewhere in the bleary eyed night, you might have missed like five seconds of post credit stinger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I also think I might have skipped the credit, like ran through the credits. You know, you should be able to skip credits and also get the post credit scene, right? But you're never quite sure if you're gonna. But those were very long credits, and at some point it was very late, and I just wanted to see if I could save at the end of it to um, 
I've taken to stop watching the credits on uh, on any AAA video game that has like a multi studio thing going on because it's just it's we feels like we are in peak credits these days like it is impossible to sit through one of those that is not more than 10 minutes long i appreciate games that let you fast forward through them yes yes hold down like the right because, stick or something I can or never or ever trust that hitting the skip button is not also going to skip whatever might come after the credits that's right yeah so i i can't say for i don't want to say definitively but i will say it definitively is trying to set up a universe for more horizon okay uh which and part of that is really intriguing and part of that leaves the things not as satisfying, but I, I enjoyed that journey a lot. I mean, I must have close to 90 hours, if not pushing a uh, hundred in that game. I mopped up most of what I could and I, I'm just going to have to look up an achievement list or a, a trophy list to get, I think I'm missing like three, one of them being upgrade an armor to max. And I just never did that because the material requirements for the epic armor was just too much and i don't think i even got it past the first level it was uh something like five dread fangs or something i just never got them it was a pain in the booty but uh i will probably just go back in pick an old piece of armor like a a, a, a normal piece of armor and just upgrade it and get that trophy that is more detailed than you need to know i think that game is one of the best open world side quest games in terms of work done to make the side quest setups feel different huh. nothing felt that repetitive in the setups for the side quest okay what you do in the side quest obviously is going to be like one of six or seven things hey fight a monster fight a human you know fight fight a get a thing get this component do this but the setups are different and so it didn't while it's open world barfy for sure on the map mm-hmm you're getting really decent performances for each side quest. And I think all of them voice acted in, in a pretty, uh, the, the talent pool is deep in there. Like it, it is well done. The characters are, are, are fairly, uh, uh, more hits than miss. And there are memorable moments, even in side quests. And for a, for an open world game of that size, that's pretty impressive too. Yeah. Like to, to, to not kind of run aground in the, there's 5,000 quests here. I did them mostly all of them. And while again, some of the things you're doing is like, okay, I got to run out here and go stab this thing and come back. The setups are, are engaged. Yeah. They, they, I, that, that, I, I still left off. Well, like I got, you know, 25 hours in or something. I'm going to go back to it at some point, but yeah, like even early on, some of those quests that are even like 20 minutes long, I felt like I was getting kind of engaged in. Yeah. Like they'd play with the different factions in the world. Interestingly, and stuff yeah like that one there's like like that one with the tanakh like scouting party where like the lady doesn't want to return her injured brother to the tribe because they kill mm-hmm. people who are injured and so mm-hmm. she's like trying desperately but also trying to hide it to like puff up her chest and be like we don't need any help leave us alone and then yeah like micro stories like that's kind of the stuff i was trying to talk about with like ghostwire tokyo Mm-hmm. That's why I kept asking, like, how's the writing in the side quests? Because mm-hmm. like, side quests by design are usually kind of bland. But if they've got interesting little micro stories in them, then that's fine, right? And it yeah. Seems like, and Ghostwire like is kind of the, the antithesis of right. that because it just doesn't really... It has, like, two of those that are kind of interesting and then dozens more that are just nothing. Right. Like, you know, if, if, if all I do is walk five minutes and then fight three waves of enemies, that's fine if there's, like, an interesting little super short narrative wrapped around it. But when yeah. there's not... Nah. Yeah, there's something about Horizon Forbidden West that 
doesn't and, and it it is doing this, but it doesn't feel like you are just finding everybody's keys and wallets in, right. a, in a giant open world. It, it like it doesn't necessarily feel like that. Like kind of like what you said. There's Brad. That ex, that's a good example of. There's more depth behind it than just hey, can you bring this injured soldier back to camp? Right. You know, they, yes. they, there's 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 and the world feels like it appreciates what you've done. And there's decent follow up even on some of those side quests where you can go visit those people afterward. They're back in their place. And and the world has changed a little bit after you yeah. did this thing, and, and I appreciate it's that. depth, and it's also just you know, it kind of, I've kind of been chasing that Red Dead Redemption two high ever since that game came around mm, because like yes. that game not only has like a ton of quests that do not repeat, but also is so good at disguising the machinery behind those quests that it just doesn't really feel like you're in a video game the way that a lot of other open world games do. Totally. And for what I've played of, of Forbidden West, like obviously I'm nowhere near as far as you guys are, but like. I feel like that game is at least gesturing more in that direction. Like it feels like yeah. it's getting better at that stuff and it is much better at disguising its machinery than like a lot of other games tend to be. Ghostwire is the complete polar opposite of that. It is all just you can literally see the gears grinding behind every single thing that's going on in that game. I'd say the biggest my biggest knock for Forbidden West as it gets so much right about an open world game is it it really can't just escape its origins as being kind of corny. And feeling like co- like the office cosplay got out of this control. Is why I have not gone and, back to it yet. <laughs> yeah, like it it you know it it is hard to escape that stuff. You get used to it again. You, you kind of have to if you're going to live in that world for a while. But it's hard when you're running up against that stuff constantly, being like, oh no, you guys are pretty cornball mm-hmm. here that is really that lean is into this shit. all right <laughs> you're really taking this pretty seriously yeah. uh you know joe from accounting who is now running <laughs> you, you are, are running really this. hoping i have not actually <laughs> seen Waterworld because i'm making that comparison over and over again <laughs> yeah. over and over again it is you know that kind of stuff but there are interesting choices to be made. Some choices in the game do feel at least I should say a few feel like you change the course of the narrative in the game, not necessarily where the final, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that some things do carry over nothing consequential that seemed to nothing. Earth like, You're going to get the good ending or bad ending, yeah. but stuff in the world, a handful of times you make a choice and this thing is now changed. And, and that's always appreciated in those games as well. That, I don't want to ask too much about the home base. I'm just curious kind of how it evolves. Like, does it, does it become Normandy esque to any degree? Yeah. Okay. I, I would say that so. seems like where that seemed like where that was going. Yeah, I, I would say so. And that's, it's got flavors of that. And those are some of my favorite parts. I think there is a, there's a, not tenuous connection to be made to something like Mass Effect right. 2 yeah. in, in like that game. That like is a game like this. I like a home base with a posse that you build up and you can just go hang out with and talk. Go chat with them. Yeah. And, and there's also, I would say, the margin stuff, maybe even, well, I don't know. The mainline story is pretty silly, but the stuff in the margins with your, your kind of band that you're putting together is maybe more interesting than the main quest. Though the main quest is not light on trying e for effort. It just is. There's some stuff in there that I would like to talk to you guys about at some point. If you make it to the end, that is like, huh? What do you think? Okay. Because, uh, I, I know you guys have seen some of where the kickoff goes for it. So kind of where that winds up in the end 
is interesting at the very okay. least. It's uh, it's uh, and it definitely is set up for whatever Horizon, either Horizon Forbidden West expansion or Horizon Three. So oh it, yeah, it, actually, there's more to come. I didn't think about that. They did the the Frozen Wilds for the last one was like pretty meaty. Like there was a yeah. lot to it, but it didn't exactly like continue the main storyline. It kind of added additional context to the world. I guess I would say. Like it kind of, I could see them doing both okay. of those things here, like doing one that fleshes out some of the stuff that is set up here, but not resolving the hanging. Yeah, hold yeah, that's that's what that first expansion did. Uh, so yeah, uh, Forbidden West, I, I really like it. We said I was talking about Norco earlier as one of one of my favorite things that I played so far this year. Horizon Forbidden West definitely up there as well. I, I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed my time spent with it and didn't feel like even though it is an open world game in a sea of open world games and side quests did not feel like I, it did not feel like it took advantage of my time. It also, I think that a lot of player um, leaned in the player's favor more often than not in terms of asking you to put a hundred hours into a thing. And I appreciated that. When did that come out? Oh my gosh, that came out in February, middle of February. No, well, no, game's like two ago. months old at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's ancient. Well, we are going to take another break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about some news. So stick around, and we'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. <laughs> ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access the internet let's say what what are you doing on that vacation there i was i had to access my github account Uh and i was doing some coding and then sure i've used my express vpn and then vpn into my home computer likely story Uh uh-huh and then uh i watched uh you know i watched uh some videos uh you know and it's fast what they all say it's got great speeds it was connected very easily i was even able to stream in hd problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know they didn't know a damn thing. Says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN expressvpn.com slash nextlander thanks expressvpn and welcome back everybody hello Hello. we told you we would return and we did we did we only speak mostly truths here Mm -hmm. we're out there saying stuff and delivering yes and we're out there saying stuff and hopefully what the other people have said is not wrong because this is what we call the news section. And we're going to report on some of that news right here, right now, starting off with this 
kind of bonkers but not bonkers like kind of actually the most pedestrian thing but then you're like what are we doing here news oh i don't know i it's like of course but then what are we doing but of course brad what's but also going on what here? are we I mean, doing of course this is the the business mandate but when you fill in the blanks <laughs> of the specific ip in question yeah questions Sega must be reboots raised. crazy taxi just set radio to chase <laughs> Fortnite riches uh, i'm gonna stop you right there reads the headline of this Bloomberg story out of Japan. Mm -hmm. Sega Sammy Holdings is developing a big budget, or I'm sorry, is developing big budget reboots of its Dreamcast games, Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio as it taps its back catalog in search of global hits like Epic's Fortnite is the first line of the story. These are part of the Super Game Uh initiative that I we probably talked about at some point when it first uh, came to light. These... (laughs) I can't get over this story just like routinely using the phrase a super game like, oh, the first two super games will be with zero irony whatsoever. But I am on record here as being very generally in favor of the way Sega has kind of pivoted in recent years, especially with their focus on the Yakuza and Judgment games. I think those are great. I do not necessarily love the way they have tried to monetize the more recent ones, but nonetheless, you know, they are doing interesting things there. And on paper, I do not have an issue with the idea of them bringing back a crazy taxi or certainly not a Jet Set Radio, though there is that new fan game that is a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. So I don't necessarily know that I need their take, especially if they are looking at this as a potential free to play branded universe type thing. Yeah, they're they are aiming to drive like three quarters of a billion dollars in revenue from these games. That's a lot of money for Jet Set Radio Future and Crazy Taxi. Look, Crazy Taxi was cool and all, but I don't know, man. Crazy Taxi was cool for exactly the two hours you booted it up when you bought a Dreamcast. And then you're like, (laughs) all right, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like the idea of an open world, persistently online Jet Set Radio sounds kind of awesome. Right up until you realize all the ways they're going to want to try to monetize it. And, yeah. And, and at, at which point, like, I don't know, but like, there's some version of what they are talking about here that could be amazing. I just don't I just know if I trust I that Sega has it yeah, in them to make I, that version. I, I don't think that I don't think they are going to make that version of these games, especially by nature of what they are trying to do revenue wise with them. Super <laughs> games. <laughs> How the fuck are Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio the first two super games i mean what else have they got they got set binary domain that's fine man by big bow is just sitting there just sitting there i don't need a connected universe open like free to play version of binary don't you don't you though who's no who's who's a robot who's not a robot you you don't know i just assume everyone's a robot because they're all trying to get me to mine crypto (laughs) there's a there's a quote in here from i think it was a consultant there i heard it They are more like cult titles with very loud and vocal fan bases. Totally different in scale when compared to Sega's iconic Sonic series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely no loud Sonic Sonic. fans out there. (laughs) That's what I thought when I read it too. But they are, it is true, they are not, they are different in scale, but uh, the fan bases might also be very loud and vocal. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's let's be real, anything released on the Dreamcast was niche by definition. Mm, Yeah. mm, But, but, Uh, yeah. So at, I don't know. You're, you're, this, is, this is just dumb. You're not feeling like the dumb. super games. No, I mean, it's dumb, but it's like fun. Dumb. Hmm. It's fun. Dumb until it isn't. Should this ever come to fruition? I'll see what they've got. Sure. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. 
Do you think this winds up being one of those things where Crazy Taxi comes to like mobile platforms in some form? And I thought sure it already did. I mean, if if these things hit, absolutely. Well, yeah, like may, there may have been like a port of the originals to mobile. That sounds like something. I think there was something. a Crazy Taxi mobile game that was a new game, mm, not some years back. Was there? I think there was. Huh. I don't know. I, I remember don't. it having huh. really weird like writing. I am sharing screenshots. I think like, like jet set radio potentially has like the kind of trick based depth and some sort of Splatoon esque, like, like fashion sense kind of thing going on where, right. Where you could like, Oh, I could see them selling, you know, outfits and skates and stuff for a jet set radio. Like what is, I don't know. Crazy taxi though. Like, not a crazy taxi is a Hawaiian shirt and an offspring song. That right. is, that is the aesthetic of that game. Like there's not a lot to crazy taxi where like, like JSR, I could at least see something <laughs> yeah. coming out of that. I don't know. Online connected universe. Will I be yes. able to jet set next to a crazy taxi? Will I, will, yes. will you be able to, will you be able to sketch behind one of the crazy taxis? And yes, yeah. we're going to ready player one, this shit, but it's only going to be the Sega stuff. I, I again binary domain welcome welcome to the superverse mm-hmm. oh boy oh boy well look i this article mentions just kind of flagging uh pachinko and arcade stuff and this is this is what happens when this with, with the dream what's the sega arcades called the uh, uh in japan this sega, like, oh fun sega, centers or something right? sega towns i thought they're i can't oh man i should know that sega fun zone sega zone I should know this because they those things are literally in the Yakuza games. I should totally remember this. Green Hill Zone. Sega. Sega Land. Maybe it's just a Sega arcade. Yeah. I don't know if they had a name. Yeah. They, I think it's just a big think, Sega logo, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't think they did. Uh, this is what happens when those those things just smell like cigarette smoke now and there's no yeah, nobody left in them. Just, or, you know, it's crazy thing. It's just like we were like people were hollering about back when Apex Legends came out, you know, like EA has a Fortnite. Now, mm-hmm. Sega wants a Fortnite too. Everybody wants a Fortnite. Well, what, they still have in the works that that Sonic open world game, right? That Sonic. Yeah, but that I mean that that'll be a traditional release, right? Like single player or maybe some local co op or something. That's not a, a super more. game. They also announced a Sonic Origins collection of I think the first three games coming out this summer, but. I feel like they've done that before, haven't they? Perhaps, perhaps the less said, the better. There, I think it's getting it's getting the full museum treatment of like here's okay. like supplemental materials and it's all packaged in a nice menu and stuff. Um, well, Sega does what Nintendo won't allow. No, oh, everybody does this. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is, nobody, nobody doesn't suppress labor organizing. What's yes. our next story here? Uh, Nintendo. I buried. Uh, sorry, I. I got that out of order. I was going to say, uh, joining the list of companies with National Labor Relations Board's complaints filed against them for union busting is Nintendo. There you go. There you go. Uh, Not that Nintendo corporate was like especially likable to begin with. Especially other reasons. The way that they've dealt with like people of a preservationist bent. You know, shutting stuff down on YouTube, filing copyright claims like they have not treated their most diehard fan base especially well in a lot of contexts. Uh, but now they have had an NLRB complaint filed against them for uh, and and a firm, a third party firm they use for hiring uh, for for union busting, for suppressing uh, labor organizing activities. They, they, they don't uh, list a lot of these specific activities that went on in the complaint. 
But it's a, it was it was a filed by our worker, right? Yes, a specific worker yes. was the one making the complaint. Yes, so that is going on. Like that's that's not nothing for it to escalate to government agency. Mm. Yeah, uh, not that you know. Again, like <laughs> Nintendo was in kind of like problematic fave territory to begin with, and here you go. Do you guys? I mean, it's noteworthy in the sense that like there has not really been rumblings, and I mean, granted, there wouldn't be because it's Nintendo, and no one at works at Nintendo ever talks about about anything because they know they could lose their job for it. But there have been rumblings about Nintendo's like internal work culture, the same way that some of these other publishers have had, and that's not because to say that it's because they don't have those problems. It's just that they are just so much more shrouded, shall we say, yes. in how their work environment tends to function. A culture of secrecy. Yeah. You might say. Definitely have heard some stuff when people leave of, yeah. hey, it's, it's pretty very, rough over here. Buttoned up in a way that doesn't yes. feel very modern. Yes. Very like stuffy and traditional and yeah. like not, not especially modernized. Yes. Do, um, do you guys have any idea? Now, this was obviously, this was filed in the States in Washington State particularly, but does it, what, what is, this might be out of the scope of this podcast, but do you guys mm-hmm. know what like Japanese organized labor is like truly do not know okay i yeah, yeah, I, I don't I know a single know. thing about it i mean all, all i've ever heard is that office culture there is an absolute nightmare like <laughs> people people like living at the office basically mm. okay but you know you i'm not know. even sure if like the trade union concept exists there okay yeah but i, I, I don't know is i there. honestly don't know uh yeah nintendo ongoing this is just kind of just broke recently right yeah this is yes. like this past week so not too many yes. details here, but uh, add them to the list. Yeah. Add them to the list. Uh, boy. Uh, well, add them to the list. Here we go. Natural Ooh. segue here. What list yes. are we talking about? Oh, the list of companies not treating their labor force especially well. Mm. Um, another uh, another entry in the saga of the Microsoft Activision acquisition and all of the problems ongoing at Activision Blizzard and so forth um, SOC investment group which uh, I gather holds a relatively large stake in Activision Blizzard although I couldn't find out exactly how much has come out against the Microsoft acquisition like pretty strongly uh, I didn't realize this Alex you mentioned this is the same same group of investors that has also been like the most sharply critical of Activision Blizzard generally since yes. stuff started going down. Yes, this group has been pretty out there saying like, you know, there are people that we think there are people that should step down as a result of this stuff. Right. Like have been pretty firm. And then, you know, one of their main complaints here appears to be that, you know, the state of the stock price had dipped specifically because yes. they had failed to address these issues. And therefore, they're like Microsoft is not approaching this at the value that the stock should be at. Right. Yes. They Yeah, they are. They're folding their complaints about Activision management into this, but yeah, the the crux of this seems to be that they feel like they are being lowballed on the share price. Yeah, that they would be getting paid out at. Yes, specifically because they, you know, find the Activision management has been negligent in running the company. Um, let's see. Some of the quotes are like, <laughs> "We do not believe that Activision shareholders should be looking to a transaction to rebuild the value lost by Activision management's failure." to ensure workplace safety and equity uh, and by the board's failure to respond constructively to the burgeoning crisis. Like they're just flat out saying like, Hey, <laughs> like yes. hot damn pretty much exactly what Alex said. It's like, Hey, we're getting, we're getting boned on the mount. We're getting paid out here because they screwed up. Um, 
We believe that only by constructively engaging with its workforce, the one asset that Activision cannot sell, but without which the company cannot operate. Can the company begin a genuine turnaround and restore investors' confidence in its reputation and operations? Like they are flat out like calling on all shareholders to vote against the acquisition. Um, and they, you know, they're also calling for an entire new board to be elected. Like they basically want to see this company rebuilt under its own auspices and not just gobbled up by an even bigger company. Because uh, because remember, this is an all cash deal, right? Like they would just yes. be getting paid out for their shares. It's not like they're oh, they don't get some, any, they're any not stock. assuming ownership of Microsoft stock or something like that. Mm. Um, there was one thing in here, though. Uh, they say that they are, quote, skeptical that any transaction with Microsoft or a similar acquirer <laughs> would be viable given the shift in the climate of antitrust enforcement. I'm like, what? I saw that. Yeah, I saw like, that. That's, that's so a bit optimistic, I feel like. I mean, I mean we've spitballed about that before. Like, we're not, you know, even now that we're out of the Trump years, like the FCC is still not like a, or FTC is still not a thing that feels like it is like jonesing to you know go out there and like break up these kinds of deals even with letters right. from senators and whatnot but maybe right. maybe the people who are on the ground with this stuff have a different perception of that maybe i don't know i'll believe it when i see it yeah like, me yes, too there is some there is some rumbling about regulatory action but like even under democratic administrations like antitrust action has not been especially uh vibrant no not for many the last in the last decade plus um i mean that's not the least of which maybe a lot of ins and outs in this thing, but we report was it last week with uh, Gavin Newsom and report the two attorneys yes, who potentially had, interfering in that, 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 that uh, investigation, the investigations, not necessarily uh, related to the merger, but in terms of uh, the harassment allegations there yeah. and maybe in the California within, suit that was still yeah. ongoing. I don't know. Like the biggest reason I want to talk about this is like as as uh, unlikely as it seems. Like it's not unheard of for a deal like this to fall through. You know, like mm-hmm. oh yeah, like the like the the Nvidia acquisition of ARM is no more. Like mm-hmm. that was like one of the biggest business deals in years and years. And after like I don't know a year or something like that, just that it basically got shut down by regulators in Europe. And so. Like, I, I guess this is just a good reminder that, like, this thing is not a done deal by any No, stretch. absolutely not. And, and, like, there could be a moment where we look back and go, like, man, remember how, like, remember how nuts everybody was going over the magnitude of that Activision Microsoft deal and then it didn't happen? And this is, um, I mean, near $70 billion, huge, huge within the game industry. Do, do you guys have any sense? Of oh, no, huge, huge, huge is it? period. This, this is, is one biggest, of the biggest, the biggest yeah. acquisition in the history of America. Okay. Like that was going to be my question. It does. Massive. It just, does it blow the charts up in just terms of acquisitions and it's yes. up there? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. That but, is a, I mean, I have no idea like how the base of shareholders is going to vote. <laughs> uh, there's no telling. I, I did look up like uh, SOC is not even in the top three of institutional shareholders of Activision. That that was all I could find was the top three, which mm. uh, of which it is not one. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like a massive. Uh, the top three have like seven point eight percent, seven point one percent. So mm. that gives you some uh, uh, some insight into like how much they own. I don't know how much pull they have. I don't know what the prevailing sentiment is with the rest of the shareholders, but who knows? Like stranger things have happened than something like this falling through for one reason or another. And, and, and again, not to put too light a point on it, this there's a lot going on here, even beside the merger. Like there's just there's a lot of interest in this case and a lot of eyeballs yeah. on it that may not have originally been there if it's sort of just a financial uh, deal. There's a lot of 
we, we talked about labor stuff involved and uh, make goods and a lot of a lot riding on the outcome of all of this just in terms of what gets addressed significantly or what gets pushed pushed the away. only thing i'm certain of with all of this is that we are a long way away from seeing any kind of conclusion to it mm-hmm. yes yeah i think wasn't the wording out of microsoft like they hope that it closes by june of next year yeah i think that was the Not, the timetable like that could drag on longer yeah yeah uh <laughs> that, that thing is a monster yeah Okay, oh, I was gonna say speaking of monsters, but you know oh what? I'll be well, womp womp. You know, you know it's not. It's I, a, you know, I, what, what are we doing here? That's how, that's how, my how, segue. What are we doing? How, gl- how glib is your definition of monster here? Because I guess you could make an argument. I don't know. Like, uh, let's let's say monstrous trolling. Uh, yes. Let's say monstrous kind of, tr- kind of kind trolling. Of, if it was intentional, kind of, which we're not even sure okay. about. Okay, Hideo Kojima tweeted, Sony updated a banner on their website that had graphics for a bunch of their owned IPs in it and mm-hmm. included Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. And then Kojima just went and tweeted that image with no context. Mm-hmm. And the real reason that we're even talking about this story is that it's like a jumping off point for all of these swirling rumors about <laughs> another Sony acquisition in the offing. Um... But he immediately turned around, or maybe not immediately, but shortly after, turned around and said, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding, but Kojima Productions has been and will continue to be an independent studio. But people immediately took that image to mean that Sony was buying out his studio. uh, Because, again, like, the stuff's been pretty specific for the last two, three weeks of, like, major influencers and insiders on Twitter just talking around some massive news that they know about that is going to happen sooner than later. And most people seem to think that is a Sony acquisition of some kind. That is separate from the Bungie acquisition, which they've already done. Right. 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 So I don't know. I mean, you tell me, what do you think? I think you can't trust anything. Kojima tweets. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. This, this absolutely not. I mean, unless he's telling you he's specifically listening to joy division. Uh, you cannot trust anything that man says on social media that I just assume that to be taking place at least 12 hours a day. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, whatever. I mean, a generous reading of this is that he got excited about that graphic and yeah. just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, that, that is, I mean, Sony, you know, Sony did publish Death Stranding. What? I also do not believe that he has any real interest in selling his studio to Sony. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, so, I do wonder if that would be different if it was still the Andrew House era, considering Andrew House was pretty instrumental in like getting that deal for Death Stranding signed from what I understand. Right, but I don't know where he currently sits with Sony management. So I, my instinct says he'd rather remain independent. I don't have any sense of how Death Stranding did in the kind of mm. final breakdown. I think it did okay. Like, I think it did fine. I don't know if it was. I don't know exactly how. I bet that PC version probably did pretty well too. Yes, I would guess that's the case. I, I would assume Kojima Productions is fine as an independent studio. But you the thing know. I'd always heard on the back end of that game was that it was not the uh, budget buster that maybe that, some people thought yeah, it was going yeah, to so be. I was definitely hearing even before it came out that it was not as expensive to make as you might think. Right. What are, uh, pardon my ignorance, mm-hmm. the games in this in this graphic. Yes. What is the second one? Next to Death Stranding? Uh, I need to pull it up. Let me look Let's at the graphic. See. I'm not 100% sure. That looks like London. That's maybe um, so whatever 
whatever you want to call that whole thing at this point. Like the, uh, what was that VR game that spun off of their London studio stuff? I can oh, never remember the, the name heist of games. thing. Yeah, that that high that, that PSVR heist thing that they did. It oh, looks like it could weird. be that. That could be true. Huh. I, I totally can't remember so the name of that. It's Death Stranding, there's that one, then there's MLB, there's Ratchet, there's Ghost of Tsushima, there's God of War, Last of Us, Returnal. What? Demon Souls. That's Demon Souls. That's okay. Demon Souls, yeah. Uh Horizon, Days Gone. Which mm-hmm. yeah, all right. Yep. <laughs> and then the little uh little robot. Yeah. Uh, Astrobot. Astro, Astro's, Astro's Playroom and, uh, and Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Uh yeah, the I was Gran Turismo sure. one. It's just like it's barely the grill of a car. <laughs> you, know, you can barely tell what that is. <laughs> you can tell by yeah, the you colors. Know you know is. those yeah. colors. Uh but yeah, I wasn't sure what that second one was. But that makes sense to me, I guess. Uh, that's a weird was one. That, just, that, that's a pretty that's a pretty lead just, position there. That's like pole position. Are we, what, oh, the London heist, I believe, was the yeah. name of that thing. Because that kind of looks like the dude from Dead Rising. That looks like Frank. That man that looks like a man who's covered wars. <laughs> there, there, there will never be another Dead Rising. No, I know that. I'm just saying, and that's Capcom anyway. I'm just saying yeah. that's what that dude looks like. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that... So, okay, let me ask this follow-up question. Are the wings of this thing the, the least... Do you push the Do you push the games you cared about the least to the wings? Because mm, I don't think there's any order to this. Whatsoever. Last of Us no, dead I mean, last, center in there. Yeah, Last of Us and Last of Us and um, God of War. Uh, God of War right in the middle yeah. is pretty telling to yes. me. Maybe like uh, as you go out on the right hand side, you have Days Gone, Astro, and then a like a bit of cloth and grill from. Uh, Gran Turismo. As you go, I don't out think you the- put Astro after Days Gone, though. I just, I legitimately don't think that because Astro I think I think this is better. a purely aesthetic decision because right. everybody likes Astrobot. Name a person who liked Days Days Gone that oh, did not work on Days like, Gone. That like Days Gone, I don't know. I would say I'm I'm with you. I'm just kind of floating it out there. You know, in the West here, we read from left to right, so I would say Death Stranding pretty prominent. You know, that's a that's the first one you're gonna kind of read. You're gonna probably scan. Look, it's Norman over Reedus it. with a baby. Of course, that's it catches the eye right away. <laughs> it's right, everybody's staring for Norman Reedus with a baby, as always. I it, this graphic to me, Kojima stuff aside, kind of tells me that like we've got a couple of holes in the in the Sony, you know, premier first party uh, uh, graphic here that could that could use some filling in. Uh, you know, it also makes me realize they have very little that is not like prestige third person action game. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's been all. ongoing. Yeah. yeah, that's why they bought Bungie. Like, admittedly, they yeah, yeah, need help on the live service front. Um, In the same way that Microsoft has has almost none of that, Sony maybe has too much of that. I, I all of this just makes me realize, and the thing I hate about this is that it has just become another front in the console war. Mm, it will never like end the acquisition race. Like it is extremely just. Oh well, Microsoft's buying Activision. Like Sony fans now need a win for their side. Uh-oh. And so who's it going to be like, oh, they're getting Square Enix, aren't they? No, it's going to be Capcom. Like who is, who is, what's like, what is the most baller acquisition that Sony could land to make people on that side of the stupid fucking console war feel awesome about owning a PlayStation? Like I, uh, like it's all over Twitter, you know, like the, in responses to stuff like this, like see from software thrown around a lot, which I don't know. Hmm. I cannot even imagine what that would cost. That's not that scale though. After Elden Ring did what it did. Yeah. I mean, as, as uh, big as Elden Ring is, and as, as much as, you know, those games are beloved, that is not the same thing. Uh, and also, they, they're, From Software already has a parent company, so they would have to yeah. 
this is I, I don't think deal to buy them from Kadokawa or buy the whole thing. Which yeah, I, I don't I don't know about from. Also, I don't know what I think it is honestly. Yeah, I, don't I, know. I legitimately I, have I, no idea. I could Remedy. not. I I really don't know. Anything I said would just be a total fucking <laughs> shitball guess at this point. I like shitball guesses. Just throwing it at the wall, seeing which shit sticks. Their Sony is buying Valve software, and they <laughs> are going oh to make a new Portal game. In an all knives deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sincerely have fucking no idea what it would call, like, dude. I uh, I'm just imagining them. This like game will be like, no just way. A dumb you know truck full would, of knives. Did you know how much that would cost? And then just a briefcase with like the most gorgeous knife in it. Be and this a uh, cut to, well, I did it. <laughs> we, we sold. Yep. It's like just some gorgeous dragon style blade that you'd see in a mall. Just one of those things that's like, <laughs> like what is this? It's a perfect recreation of the dagger from the Golden Child. <laughs> like, I need, I need this. I need, I, I'm sorry, guys. I need this. Brad, what's our next uh, uh, story here? Speaking of Valve, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, Eric Walpaw wants to make a Portal Three. Oh, Eric Walpaw. I've read yeah. his reviews. Yeah, Eric Walpaw Great. rules. <laughs> yes, former former coworker Eric Walpaw. I guess. Yes. A man whose uh, reviews I have edited in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, this was on the Kiwi Talks podcast, apparently, but Video Games Chronicle kind of wrote up his most salient comments. The, uh, prime, prime among them being, <laughs> we've got to start Portal 3. That's my message to, <laughs> to whoever. Mm-hmm. Although later on, uh, let me see. <laughs> later on, he literally used the phrase, you know, Gabe, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, who he is pitching on a Portal 3, maybe not that much of a mystery. I don't, like... I mean, he doesn't work at Valve anymore. Uh, Wolfball? Yeah, like, he's not a is full-time he, worker he, there, is he? Is he? Uh, that's right. I, I could not remember if he was still full-time there The last not. time I checked like, it on that dude, I'm pretty sure he bought a farm and is just out there living his best life. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's that a, sounds pretty good. Yeah. Guess, uh, guess you know, I gotta go <laughs> make a Portal 2 and buy, then buy a farm. I, uh... You know, he 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 did writing for Psychonauts too. Like there was that whole split where he was like working on that game and working with Valve somewhat. But but I think he's mostly doing it as like an outside contractor these days. Yeah, that, I don't think he permanently probably, works anywhere right now. I, th- I, th- I think you might you might be right about that. But uh, he seems pretty excited about the idea of doing a Portal Three, and also flat out says like, "Hey, we're not getting any younger. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, if we're gonna do one, it needs to we need to start soon." Hey, I get it, man. The um, reason I wrote that Nicolas Cage feature was like, how many more opportunities I'm going to have in my lifetime to write a big feature about Nicolas Cage? So I, I took the opportunity where it came. If he wants to write his Portal 3, I say, let's do it. Let's make it happen. I think I, I have like zero interest in playing a Portal 3, but I would... Well, oh, on, really? Try, no, no, let me... I'm trying to, I'm trying to recontextualize okay. that. Like the, the Portal part of Portal is like kind of... has come and gone. The mechanics, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I would absolutely play Eric Wolpaw's Portal 3, though, is what I'm saying. Like, I, I agree with you. The, the, I also like think the, it's been long enough since one of those games came out that I feel like I'm, and, you know, as great as Splitgate is, it's not the same thing. So I'm like, I could probably go for another yeah, one of those I, puzzle games. Sure. I, I wouldn't mind playing it. Like, I, and I'm sure they would come up with some novel new mechanics. It's just like that that whole thing, that whole framework was so revolutionary at the time. You know, yeah. like you've never seen anything like a puzzle game like Portal. At the time, well, like now it would be much more about the writing and just seeing what they did with the presentation of it. Look, you get J.K. Simmons back. Oh. 
Yeah. That's it. That's my entire pitch. You get J.K. Simmons back. A million J.K. Simmons with portal guns. I, and and for, Stephen, I can never remember the, the Stephen British Merchant. Stephen. Stephen Merchant. There's so many British Stephen yes. comedians. It's hard to keep up. I, uh, while I think I'm open and I still like the portaling mechanic, for me, now I'm trying to think how to say this without sounding terrible. Boy, you guys are just such haters, man. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I think the vibe of that game has been spun off of so much. The kind of um, the the Glados and the the kind of tongue in cheek vibe and the uh, unreliable narrator stuff that that vibe has been done so much. I would almost want something different, even though I love the writing from Portal One and Two. Yeah, I, I, mean, I have no doubt they could pull off something different. Like I think I think they could thread that needle even after all this time. But. I think they should just make it a 18 hour the cake is a lie joke and just beat that mm. thing to death. Just mm. absolutely take a tire iron to that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, he gets into some I mean this stuff has been pretty common knowledge about how Valve works for a while but it's still like pretty succinct the way he breaks it down here which is that like hey people at Valve work on what they want and like you might think they're just sitting around drinking all day but no they are working on things you just might not you know see the result of everything they're working on all the time but if I need to pull like a quarter or a third of the employees mm-hmm. at valve for years at a time to make a single player game, that's not going to make anywhere near as much as counter-strike go makes might be a tougher pitch. <laughs> like that might be a tough sell to a lot of people. There. That's just so, some like, real talk. That's like, like yeah. he, and like, this is, this totally squares with everything I've heard about working at valve is that like, he basically says he literally, literally uses the word revolution. Like he would have to incite a revolution inside valve and like rally the people to want to work on a new portal yeah. instead of whatever else they're working on. Uh, so I, I'm not holding my breath, but here is, here's what I would like to see in a portal three. Again, I will uh, to steal Eric's line here. Mm-hmm. Gabe, if you're listening, I would like a portal that opens up into other games at some point, like you leave the facility and suddenly you're in other valve suddenly team fortress is happening around you you are running yes you are running through like i want to be running through the valve office and see like eric trying to make the like that level of you want an adaptation level meta narrative yeah i want the portal that's where i want the portal stuff to go where you're portaling through the catalog possibly portaling into steam itself to see other games in there uh and that that's kind of what I would want to see the the weirdness go in the puzzle mechanic, but maybe that's a last 10 minutes of the game thing. Charlie Kaufman's being portal three. Yeah. Or just some FMV in it. That's, you know, that too much to ask. Is that too much to ask? No, I think, I think Eric Wolpaw would be down for some FMV if you asked him about it. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? Yeah. Who, who wouldn't be really, really man. I want to live on a farm. Yeah, though you don't want anybody to ever say the words he bought the farm, but I understand what you're saying. That has a different sound. That sounds pretty good. Right? I I know we've we've talked about it for years on other podcasts. Follow Jeff Mentor on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, that's a guy living his best life. My God. If you you want to see the life of making video games and living on a farm, that seems pretty good. Here's my caveat. I would like to live on a non-working farm because I mm. don't want to make a living being a farmer. It sounds extremely stressful. And oh, yeah. Type, type a margin. non-economic farm. That's right. I don't want to make my living from being a farmer. A self-sustaining farm. But I would yeah. I, that pastoral lifestyle, mm-hmm. is, is there's something appealing about that. I, I'd settle for a yard. <laughs> there you go. 
I think what we probably all want, like we've said other times, be nice to have the option to live on a yes. farm, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, some grass. Get you a little, a couple of blades of grass. Just play flowers. The same thing. Yeah, that's right. All right. Last story here. Mm. Uh, Streets of Rage movie written and directed by Derek Kolstad of John Wick. Alex, go. The fuck are we doing here, man? I'm, I'm, the, the thing I'm going to yell about with this is the exact same thing I yelled about with the Ghost of Tsushima movie. Is that this Streets of Rage, like all beat-em-ups from this era, mm. are just a pastiche of other, of movies from that era. Of action cinema, of like, you know, just like the, the sort of portrayal of street toughs and, you know, hard fighting times of the 80s. And making a movie based on that game is just adding a layer of abstraction to a thing that already exists. Hmm. I could see some value in kind of filtering it back through another layer of, you know, kind of cultural perception. I don't, I don't know. Okay, let me put you a second. Cool. put it a second way. Name a thing about the story of Streets of Rage. Oh, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah, no, nobody cares. Like, it's it's just Cars. it's Double Dragon had more of a narrative, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just like, hey, there are people who need to be beaten up, and you're going to go do it. Also, only trust your fists. Cops will never help you. Like yeah. that's the story of Streets of Rage. If they put that in the movie, then great. I'm I'm so, on I mean, board. That, like that's why I'm kind of optimistic about this because anybody who would resurrect the Streets of Rage property in 2022 to make a movie out of it has probably got some pretty specific ideas about what to do with it. Almost assuredly. Uh, like, does it have to be a send up? Is it is it tongue in cheek where it's, it's overly eighties? So. And I mean, kind of yes, but like not too over the top. Like they, they, that can a little bit of that goes a long way. Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Like, are they I drinking mean, just, like Capri Sun pouches and trying to fight? Are they hitting? You know, what is the level of? You're right. There's no story in this, so you got to gin up something. Also, and, why this and not final fight? Maybe they couldn't get the Final right. Fight has Mayor motherfucking Mike Hagar. That's a story. That's a character you can build a film franchise around. He's the uh, mayor, you know, my, and he beats my, yeah. the shit out of people. <laughs> muscle, muscle-bound mayor who rolls around the city shirtless, suplexing people and hitting them with pipes. <laughs> There's something there for yes, sure. The Mad Gear Gang is a very is a much more specific antagonist that I feel like you can build something around. That's, because, that is that's fair. Because but. over at Sega HQ. Somebody <laughs> won a bet who is a huge Streets of Rage fan, and they said, if I win this bet, you have to give me 5% of whatever Sonic the movie made, and I get to make, I get to work on my Streets of Rage product. I'm going to uh, call project. the guy who wrote Nobody. We're going to make a fucking, we're going to make a Streets of Rage movie. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm, no, nobody was pretty good. Nobody was pretty good. <laughs> was, I have nothing against good. the screenwriter for what it's worth. I think the, the first, the first half of Nobody was a lot better than the second half, I think. But, yeah. Um... But the Streets of Rage has got that music, though. Like, that's the secret actual star feather and, in their cap. And the secret like, actual disappointment is going to be that they are barely going to use anything that oh, sounds dude. like it in the movie. Like, in my mind, this thing just starts with, like, a slow pan down onto the city skyline at night with that fucking intro music from the game play. Not, not you know, like, rearranged or whatever. Yes. Not, not just literally lifted from the Yamaha ship. Oh, God, for, but, but what like, if it was... But if they started that movie with that intro song and just went into it like that, that could be kind of cool. They, there, will, there will be a scene where, you know, whether it's appropriate or not, somebody will be playing the Genesis version there with the on an arcade machine and be playing Streets of Rage. And that's where you'll get that that uh, music cue. 
And then they'll be like, come on, man, we got to go. And then they'll run out in their neon and fists and rocket launchers and be in a car for two seconds. I was not a big Streets of Rage fan. I did not have a Genesis. Um, so I came to- I didn't either, but it was one of the only Genesis games I ever played at my friend's house. So <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a Genesis, but also did not play. Like, I I was kind of beat him up to out, and I think the whole genre was kind of in decline. Like, Streets of Rage, in my mind, is very much like late period beat ups like right on the tail end. Yeah, I feel like Streets of Rage 2 and 3, and then maybe like Final Fight 2, that was kind of the end for me of like where that stuff was interesting. Man. Did you, Streets of, so that last one was 2020, Streets of Rage 4? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Streets of Rage 4. I never got around to playing it. It's that. good. Check that out. It's so, totally fine. It's it's more or less what you would want from a modern-day version I, of that game. I guess it did pretty well. This deadline story says it sold two and a half million copies, which is not terrible for a game of that size. Yeah, it's a it was cheap. Franchise. It's yeah, it's 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 alive um, and well. Yeah. Super I think I, there's there, this could be this could be okay. It's a super game. Here's here's what I'm saying right now. Someone in Hollywood, whoever's listening, if Hollywood is listening to this podcast, if you are, hello. Yeah, Gabe Newell, sit down for a second. Hollywood, if you're listening, give me a ring, ding, ding. Let me know. Final fight movie. I will write that shit for you. I'll do it right now. Here's the movie. What's, what's Mayor motherfucking you, Mike Hagar beats Dude, the shit out of everybody. Go get, go get go get some screenwriting software and write that shit on spec. Does it Just do it? Does your movie at least start with an old Mike Hagar played by Jesse the Body, uh, in in kind of reminiscing about the days when he was running Metro City and how he used to uh, uh, knock some heads? It does like, now. Like a little kid coming up, like to him as he's as he's on his farm. Yes, bending President over <laughs> Mike Hagar is is dictating his memoirs. Uh huh. Saying, and- uh, uh, talking about. Hey, nobody believes it, but like, did you, my dad says you, be, you beat up the Mad Gear gang. You beat up half of Metro City. <laughs> <laughs> Go grab me that, uh, grab me a turkey out of that trash can and, uh, sit down. The Mad Gear gang. <laughs> I, have to, I, I need to point out the two of the playable characters, the Streets of Rage are named Axel and Blaze. Like those are yeah. pretty good names. Yeah. Yeah. They are not uh, like Hagar though. Get Yuzo Koshiro on the phone. Are we, in a, are we in a a place now where video game movies do actually get made, or are we still in like the totally. well, I mean, twenty percent of them the get new, made? That new Sonic is was huge. Yeah, like, some of them is, take a while to get thing. off the ground, but yes, I think they are getting the un- made. The Uncharted movie also did super well. It's also apparently terrible. <laughs> Doesn't eh, matter. You know, I haven't seen a it. lot of terrible movies that do very well. I have not actually seen Sonic Two yet. I actually kind of want to see how that one turned out. So are we going to get our Joust and Asteroids movies? Eventually? I think those might be a little far off. I think that Tetris movie they were kicking around for a long time probably is not going to make it out of the uh, development stage. I mean, that like are we talking about Asteroids, yeah. an Asteroids movie on a podcast like 12 years ago yep. or something? Yes. Yep. Look, they're going to get it right one day. Oh, boy. That Mario movie is going to come out, and that's going to probably make a lot of money, too. So. Yep. Well, if it does... Hopefully, we'll be here to cover it. Thanks to you and your support. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Thanks for supporting us. We covered a bunch of games this week. If you missed it or skipped around, we covered uh, uh, Brad's impressions of the Panic Playdate, the cute little device video game console experience. Since Uh, we discussed it, I found that there is a free version of Tetris for the Playdate available on Itch. Of course. For free, of course. Yes. Of course. Uh, we've got uh, 
Alex's fi- complete thoughts on Norco, or at least finished the game thoughts on Norco. We uh, talked about Dorf Romantic, Horizon Forbidden West, and of course, Glover. And I want to thank everybody for listening, supporting us. If you want to, or feel like you want to, you can support us over at patreon.com slash nextlander. We can't do this without you. There you'll find a bunch of tiers. Find one that's right for you. Keep that next lander train moving and grooving all the way through a Mario movie, a Streets of Rage movie, and beyond. You can go there, find one today. There is a tier on there, the Mysterious Benefactor tier, that gets their names read on this here podcast. Alex Navarro, do you have those names ready? I do. They are right in front of me. Our Mysterious Benefactors for this week are Larganus, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, Nelson LeBlanc, James Smith, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Nick Donegan, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, J.M., Jerry Lee, Gary Pejsky, Conrad Kuzman, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Thorpe Octocrimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Bacon Monk, Anders Buga, Devin Maestro Hall, Brian Murphy, Kevin Velado, Randy Duax, Mark Allenbach, Aaron Gonzalez Beer, Andrew Teepkin, It's Me JP, Edward Cheek, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Richard Welsh, a.k.a. Hired Noobs, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors. And I want Very to nice. thank every- <laughs> thank you. And I want to thank everybody for helping out and joining on the Patreon, listening, subscribing. You know what you do out there. Spreading the good word. You can check out all of our stuff on Twitch or on YouTube. You can check out back episodes of the podcast wherever you get your fine podcast. Whichever podcast app you want to use that may or may not support time codes the way that we think they should be supported. Who's to say? Who's to say, really? If you want to go check out, um, we had a Playdate stream. Brad plays the Playdate on camera. You can go check that out. That was on Monday. We've got... We should maybe play some of that Demon Quest 85. Ooh. All right. It's it's really neat, and I want to summon a demon. Brad wants to summon a demon. Well, we are going to summon a demon on Thursday as Alex goes back into Andromeda. Yes. uh, The the demon that destroyed Mass Effect. Be careful what you wish for, Brad. Uh, They put a... they put in some running water and some jump mechanics and a new galaxy and out came Mass Effect Andromeda and it's just devoured everything. It's just, it's, uh, tune in. Brad, how far would you say we're in at this point? Uh, it's tough to say. You haven't done any loyalty missions yet, have you? I think that's no. going to be next on the list. Yeah, like I would say do those because they're actually kind of interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, I... It's it's been a while. It's been yeah. five years. Uh, wow. I think you're like deeper into the story in a shorter time than I would have thought. But well, we're skipping a lot of sides. You're also you're also rightfully skipping like all of the open world stuff, which I stupidly did not. I'm only doing the stuff that happens to be in my field of view when I'm going to something more important. <laughs> That's the right call. Unless you're not leveling up enough for your taste, you don't need to do that stuff. Yeah. I think I've been doing fine on that front. So you can check that out live on Thursday. That's Alexi Quest. We'll maybe start some loyalty missions. And then on Friday, if you missed part one of our Nintendo Power covers 
sorting and ranking. We're going to dive back into that, maybe catch up on some of the outlier ones that are post when they started just using key art uh, and kind of scan through and then briefly kind of go in there and try and order our favorites or at least talk about our favorites that we've pulled from there. So you can check that out on Friday as well. And of course the Ramble cast and everything else that's been going on. Brad and Alex, thank you very much. Thank you. Everybody listening, be good out there and we'll see you next week.